0: It's going to be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. From the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power Now, at last.
1: The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal.
2: A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. to food shunt. Mm-hmm. Something evil. Did you say youths?
3: Yeah, two youths.
2: What is a youth?
4: Oh, excuse me, young. Two youths.
5: Not recommended for impressionable children. <laughs> yeah, or you. <laughs> Alright, welcome to It Came From Cleveland for July 16th, 2021, episode, oh gosh, is this 15 or 16? I lost we are on 15. 15. There we go. Yeah, so we have a, a veritable pantheon of Hollywood legends we're going to be talking about tonight. A couple of uh, big ones, uh, uh, two uh, sci-fi legends, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart and Harrison Ford, Miles and Joe, are going to be tackling them in hour two, and Michelle's going to do a deep dive on Corey Feldman, who's done so many amazing, iconic roles, and uh, is just a few days younger than me. Um, Yeah,
6: gotta love Brother Frog. Yeah, (laughs) yeah.
5: And uh, Michelle has curated a couple very special trailer breaks for us tonight. The Robots I have fired. I don't know oh if we'll no. be back. <laughs> uh, no, it's just been a busy week, so I haven't been able to get in touch with the Robots. Uh, and uh, Adam's Mythical Minute returns... Myth- mythical Moment, I, I'm sorry, returns. And that'll be paired with a classic Kill the Hippies cut later in the program. But yeah, we got a lot of, and a lot of honorable mentions for birthdays tonight. And I'm going to start talking about... Uh, uh, you know, one of, uh, somebody that, I mean, if, if there is a person out there who does not like this man, you're not my friend, Fred Gwynn, uh, the, the late great Fred Gwynn who played Herman Munster on the Monsters, um, and, uh, it, it did a lot of other really cool stuff as well and had a really fascinating, uh, start in life as well. But, uh, but yeah, so it's going to be a fun show. So welcome aboard, Michelle. Hello.
6: Though, and I'm so excited about tonight because it hits on some of my favorite people in the world, so. uh, it, and yeah. Fred is one of them.
5: <laughs> yeah, it's it's too cool, too cool. And of course, uh, in the second segment, I'll be talking about uh, one of my favorite actors, Jackie Earl Haley, who's been a, uh, been in the business since the '70s, since he was a, a young pup. Uh, Bad news bears anyone. And, uh, and of course, Joe of Scranton, Pennsylvania. You're going to be uh, uh, doing a little bit of a deep dive on Harrison Ford for us later.
7: Yes, yes. We're going to be doing Indiana Solo.
5: Indiana Solo. There or we go. S- yes. <laughs> or, or Han Jones. <laughs> or Han Jones. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, of course, Miles, welcome to the program. Uh, you have the, the luxury of talking about royalty well, a knight at least, uh, Sir Patrick Stewart.
8: Yeah, um, fun stuff on him. He's quite the character. Uh, not surprising. He's mm-hmm. um, uh, he's old, and so he's got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff to in his life. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Sadly, so, I'll only be focusing on you know certain aspects of it. So, well,
5: that's okay. Uh, we we all have things we like to talk about, and. Um, uh, and yeah, so, uh, but uh, where, where we're going to start tonight is uh, Fred Gwynn, who uh, was born July 10th, 1926, passed away July 2nd, 1993. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, and of course, the one thing that I forgot is I forgot to get something from his radio career um, for tonight because I got so hung up uh, with some of his other things. Um, but yeah, so... He, um, of course, you know, a lot of people know him from Car 54, Where Are You? that he did with uh, Al Lewis, who played Grandpa on the Munsters. Um, and, of course, the Munsters themselves. And I thought about talking about the series, but we're going to talk about a slight oddity from the Munsters. Um, but before that, I thought I would play you guys. There's a great documentary on YouTube about Fred Gwynn. And it is, but it is so jam packed with information. I was like, "What do I take from this?" So I thought, "Why don't you find out about what his early life was?" In this, <laughs> this like five minute clip gets him all the way up to acting in the theater before he was on television and everything. So from childhood to the stage, and I was, I was just like, "Wow, his life is really fascinating." But he was. Uh, he was a rich kid, in case you guys didn't know. Uh, but uh, no. but yeah, he but he had you know he had his ups and downs in life. But check this out. This again, excellent documentary on Fred Gwynn on YouTube.
9: New York City in the 1920s, the Great War was over. The economy was thriving. And the blue bloods of Manhattan's Cafe Society were kicking up their heels at speakeasies around the town. It was in this atmosphere of parties and privilege that Frederick Hubbard Gwynne was born on July 10, 1926. His father, Frederick, was a successful stockbroker whose gregarious and whimsical personality delighted his young son. Fred's mother, Dorothy, was a strong-willed and artistic woman who had created the popular comic strip, Sonny Jim. But once her son was born, Fred became the center of her universe.
10: She had tried to have children before him, and I think two or three had died. So he was sort of a miracle baby for her, and she, you know, just showered him with praise and love and attention. Doted
9: on by his mother, Fred enjoyed all the benefits that wealth allowed as he came of age surrounded by America's aristocracy.
2: I remember Fred telling me that in the winter time, his dad used to have a house down in Palm Beach in Florida, right next to Joe Kennedy's house. So they moved in those kinds of circles.
9: But in 1935, the eight-year-old's idyllic existence ended when his father unexpectedly died after a routine sinus operation. Shattered by the loss of the man he adored, the lonely youngster often withdrew into an imaginary world he created in his sketches, a talent he shared with his mother.
10: He was always drawing and I'm sure that his mother loved it since she was a cartoonist herself and so she would encourage him to do that. You couldn't keep a pen out of his hands.
9: Fred's mother also nurtured him through his awkward years at school when a sudden growth spurt set the adolescent apart from his peers.
10: Can you imagine a kid who was that tall and gangly and you would think he'd be ostracized more than embraced and um, I think his mother just made him feel so comfortable with himself that he was just very well liked.
9: In 1939, 13-year-old Fred entered Groton, an elite and highly competitive East Coast prep school. Fred became an outgoing and popular student. He sang in the school choir, and he excelled in his art classes, studying under the noted portrait artist, R.S. Merriman. As the young student's passion for art grew, he studied everything from the Impressionist to the 19th century political cartoons of Honoré Daumier. He also joined the drama program, which allowed him to express his whimsical personality. But throughout Gwynne's high school years, a dark cloud hung over the young men at Groton. In 1941, America entered the Second World War and patriotic teens everywhere were eager to fight for their country. When Fred graduated in 1944, he immediately enlisted in the United States Navy. For two years, the six-foot, five-inch seaman served aboard a subchaser in the Pacific as a radio operator.
3: He almost went insane. The Morse code constantly in your ear, going on and keeping up. He wept before the captain. He said, because he wanted to get out of it, he'd do anything. So he wept. And somebody said, aren't you ashamed of yourself? <laughs> but he got out of radio duty.
9: After two years at sea Gwynne was ready for an intellectual challenge which he found at Harvard University. It was here that the undergraduate discovered an outlet for his artistic talent and wicked wit on the staff of the Harvard Lampoon joining forces with fellow classmates John Updike and George Plimpton. By 1950 Fred's gift for satire had catapulted him to the presidency of the Notorious Humor magazine. Gwyn also lent his towering presence to the university's Hasty Pudding Society, where his outrageous antics became legendary around campus.
10: The Hasty Pudding is a theater group where there are no women, so the men dress as women. And you can imagine and he just had a ball. Loved to make people laugh.
9: Gwynne basked in the attention he received from an audience, and the campus clown was anxious to test his skills outside the Ivy League. Fred began performing at the nearby Brattle Theatre Company, where he quickly became enchanted with the colorful and eccentric world of the stage.
5: Is that enough information for you? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) That's why I'm like, it's such a dense documentary and they put it together so well, it it was just hard to chop things up. Uh, but Miles, did you, uh, did your ears perk up when you heard that he was served on a sub chaser in world war two?
8: Yeah, that's, uh, the Morse code, you know, communications is, is important. It's why we, how we beat the Japanese. So yeah, yeah. That, that's important stuff.
5: Well, it doesn't sound like he was cut out for it though. So, uh, looks like he got, uh, he got the, uh, um, you know, uh, reassigned. They did not say where he got reassigned, but. Uh, but no, that was fascinating stuff. And, uh, and Joe, you know, you being, um, uh, an, an artist and a, and a humorist, uh, I'm sure you appreciate, uh, the fact that, you know, he was working on the, the lampoon, the Harvard lampoon and all those other, uh, publications. And, uh, you know, so that was like, you know, political blogs before they were political blogs, right?
7: Oh yeah. That was mandatory reading when I was in college. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the uh, National Lampoon, which, w- yeah. which was originated by the Harvard Lampoon. But uh, getting back to his radio days, that's what my father did in World War Two. He was a radio man.
5: That's cool. My and my my yes. uh, grandfather Buchanan, my mom's father installed radios. He did war work, he installed radios in airplanes. So
7: My father served on a an L S T. It, it's a landing craft. Mm-hmm and um so yeah they were on their way to invade japan when the uh, bomb went on yeah so yeah that's that's uh that strikes home
5: yeah communications uh you know and mm-hmm. you know uh, w- was such a huge job um yes it was yeah they used and- to call them
11: sparks Sparks,
5: very cool. Sparks, <laughs> yeah. and not not Sharkies or Sparky Sparkies. No, 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 no. Radio men
7: yeah. generally in the Navy were called Sparks. Hey, Sparky. But,
5: um, sparks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, so uh, Michelle, you know, uh, you know, the, again, you know, having a weird growth spurt and everything. I I had a, a major growth spurt when I was um, a kid, but it it wasn't quite that dramatic, but I remember going back to high school and all the guys who were bigger than me all of a sudden weren't, and it was pretty awesome.
6: <laughs> yeah, but that's got to be really scary, though, when you when you, when you you start yeah. jumping up in height that fast mm-hmm. as a kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, and, and, you know, uh, nowadays anybody, you know, our, our kids will, will take anything to pick on you. So oh, yeah. luckily they were a little bit more... You know, lenient with him, but that could have been a really traumatizing event.
7: Yeah, uh, I don't know. it's hard to hard to pick on somebody that's growing to six foot six. <laughs> they yeah. still
6: find a way.
7: <laughs> I don't know.
6: Well, I, it it I, depends
5: I on your deme- you away from that. Yeah, it, it kind of depends <laughs> on your personality and your demeanor because you know I remember there were big guys that got picked on all the time who you know just yes. were too uh, you know too. You know, non-con- they were non confrontational, so they just took it, you know?
6: Yeah, if so, you don't have the aggression yeah. to match the growth spurt, you can mm-hmm. really become a target.
8: In the yeah. Christian school I went to, the tallest guy was viciously uh, uh, bullied.
6: Oh,
5: how Christian of those Christian schoolers. I went to a Christian school too. I was so his best
8: friend, and uh, yeah, it, it was shit what they did to him.
5: I I, I went to a Christian school too, and uh, they acted anything but Christian in that school.
6: They always do. So, I went to Episcopalian school; it's the same yeah. thing.
5: So start not to not to bash uh, uh, any of our good Christian brothers and sisters out there, uh, but uh, the the phonies and frauds are are rife, and you guys all know that.
6: Yeah, they know so, that. <laughs>
5: <clears throat> so anyway, uh, so yeah, so Fred Gwynn, you know, he 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 got his start on the stage, uh, and then you know, obviously started you know once a television and uh, you know started rolling along, he he got into the business and made fast friends with Al Lewis. Al Lewis was such a great character too. I can't wait to to do a bit of a deep dive on him at some point uh, because this- you know he had a political career as well.
6: Yes, yeah, this is an older documentary because I know Al Lewis's voice was in it. And he I know was. he.
5: He, yeah, he was okay. in it, yeah. So it, it's, uh, I would imagine it was probably from the 90s or something like that. Um, okay. Uh, yeah, it was probably from the late 90s, I'd say. I'm not sure how long Al Lewis was uh, when he passed away. He lived to be pretty old, though, I think. So, uh, but let me see. I can find out real quick. I got. Uh, he passed away in 2006 so it was before 2006 so um but but yeah so uh he uh he got his start in um, uh, in in cinema in an uncredited role um the the uh laconic character slim in the oscar award winning film on the waterfront and um and so uh he got some The attention of Phil Silvers, and he ended up, uh, on, on the Phil Silvers show back in the day, and it wasn't long after that he got on to Car 54, and, um, and then, you know, of course, the legacy of the Munsters, what, you know, what an absolute wonderful, you know, piece of television history, um, you know, it's like... I know. With, there's always the discussion, you know. There's Beatles people and Elvis people, or Beatles people and Rolling Stones people, and then there's Munsters people and Adams Family people. Michelle is both, which I yes, admire. I am. I am both. So she refuses to choose, and and I don't blame her. But I am. I'm definitely Team Monsters. But I do love the Adams Family. I just prefer the Monsters.
6: Um, uh, the Monsters had Spot, which is a dragon under the staircase. Yes, but. Morticia had carnivorous plants. So, she did. You know. She does. Yes.
5: Yep. <laughs> she uh, made them hamburger quite a bit, wasn't it? There she gave them ground and beef.
7: Cousin and cousin. It. And
5: cousin it. I just saw a great episode because they, they replaced the Flintstones on MeTV with the Adams family. So um, uh, so I've been watching that before Happy Days. I'm kind of glad because I've seen the Flintstones all so many times, you know, when I was a kid. But, uh, but yeah, but anyway, so back to, uh, um, uh, Fred Gwynn. Well, you know, there were a few reunions, uh, along the way of the Munsters. And, um, there was a, a movie that I kind of, it's a fun oddity to me. Um, it's from uh, 1981, it's called The Munsters' Revenge. And I actually really like the plot of this movie because. It, it kind of it, the says, "Hey, the Munster family's actually famous," you know, and there's uh, they there. It opens up and they well here. Let me play. Uh, let me play the. the this is a. I, there's no, since it's a made-for-TV movie, this is the biggest trailer I could find for you.
1: The Monsters are back, and the this is all new. The Monsters Revenge, a world premiere, then. Monster Disaster's
12: actual footage, MGM Grand Fire, Mount St. Helens Friday. So I got to
5: share a 10-second spot with a Mount St. Helens disaster <laughs> thing. Um But uh, I, I did find this little gem. It's a little glitchy, so if you hear audio and you think something's going on, it's in the clip here. But this is something that obviously was found on a VHS catalog tape. Um, I think it was probably used in a video store or something like that for Universal or something. And, uh, and somebody clipped out the Munster's Revenge uh, from that. But this is definitely from, you know, it's not a, you know, I mean, they mentioned dust off your VCR, you know, in this. So it's, it's some kind of ad, like an in-store loop kind of thing. Uh, but it's a fun little oddity and it it actually has some of the audio from the the show and gives a description
13: here you go
3: clear the cobwebs off your VCR and get ready for America's first family of fright
13: thank goodness, friendly face
3: this time Herman, Grandpa and the rest of the monsters find themselves up to their fangs in hot water you've been accused of
2: terrorizing a city if we expect to clear our names Herman, we're going to have to do something about it
3: these monsters are no dummies, or are they?
2: You
13: mean that? Don't do anything I wouldn't do, you rascal.
3: A mad scientist is sending familiar-looking robots on a crime spree, and it's up to the monsters to stop him.
13: And all the time I thought we were innocent.
3: So join Herman and Grandpa as they go undercover on a mission of grave importance. It all adds up to a frightfully funny adventure at a monstrous good time.
2: Are we there yet? I'll drink to that.
3: How are things in Transylvania? Sid Caesar isn't the only one who gets a charge out of visiting thirteen thirteen Mockingbird Lane, The Munsters' Revenge.
5: All right, there you go, The Munsters' Revenge. Um, it, but Sid Caesar was in this as the bad guy, um, and and I just uh, you know love the uh, uh, the the concept of that. They he, he has robots built. Robots, there's robots. Uh, robots built of the monsters that go committing crime sprees, and Grandpa and Herman have to solve the the, the, <laughs> uh, the caper. Um, and it's it's just, and uh, so a couple odd things about this is only three original cast members returned, and that's Fred Gwynn, Al Lewis, and Ivonda Carlo. And avonda Carlo did not have a very big role in this at all. It was mostly just Herman and Grandpa running around. Marilyn Munster was uh, the role. Her role uh, was uh, taken over by Joe McDonnell, and uh, she was on series like the uh, uh, Dallas and TJ Hooker. uh, But she's best known for her role as Marilyn Munster in The Munsters' Revenge. Um, And uh, then uh, the the kid that played Eddie Munster is Casey Martell. Who had uh, he does not even have a Wikipedia entry, but uh, it links directly to Growing Pains. He was in nineteen episodes of Growing Pains, and he's um, not even
6: close to looking like the same. Editing, oh so. God,
5: no, he doesn't look like Butch Patrick at all. Um, but uh, so, uh, but yeah, so it, this was uh, the, the the movie was released uh, five years later uh, by MCA Home Video in on, on 1986 and then later uh good times uh home video go, good times was such a great vhs company because they bought the rights to anything to put out and they put out so much weird stuff and they released it on in 1996 and that is uh that copy is available from our store over on ebay right now so go snag what? it up <laughs> voodoo zombie boutique on ebay and uh, and uh, Bob Hastings also was in this as the Phantom of the Opera. And he was uh, um, the annoying suck-up uh, uh, Lieutenant Elroy Carpenter on McHale's Navy. And um, he also is the voice of Commissioner Jim Gordon in the DC Animated uni- Universe. So, uh, But oh, he passed away in 2014, though, at the age of 89. But yeah, so Sid Caesar was... Dr. Dustin Diablo. That's a pretty great name for Sid Caesar, don't you think, Joe?
7: Oh, yeah. He is a comic legend. He is. Oh, I love him. Uh,
5: You know, he was so good, and just, he popped up everywhere, too. You know, he was great in Greece. you know. Um, You know, that was such an oddball thing for him to, uh, uh, you know, roll for him, I think. But it worked out really well. Um but uh you know uh it, it, but casting him, I mean you know, i guess the the you have a bit of a loss with you know not having the original uh um Marilyn or um Eddie, but you know you picked up Sid Caesar, so that's pretty good i so. <laughs>
6: Yeah, yes, yeah, this. I I am throwing pictures up as I can find them. So.
5: No, that's fine.
6: So Yeah, the the Eddie is awful looking though. Like looking at like oh, wow. Yeah.
5: <laughs> Why the long face? Um so Yes,
6: <laughs> very much so.
5: Uh but yeah, so uh y- you know, um he was uh, but yeah, he was uh, uh I w- I couldn't remember the name, uh coach um coach Calhoun in Greece. So, uh <laughs>
6: Well, he's Can't. been in so many things so these are just really... And he does have a very nice acerbic uh, quality to him, so...
5: Yeah. He does carry yeah. that off well. So, uh, but yeah, you know, but this, this was really fun. And again, I, I just love the notion of uh, monster robots uh, running around committing crimes. <laughs> so... Uh, and uh, let's see here. Oh, oh! I've talked too long about the Munsters' revenge, so I want to get to some audio clips of him in some other movies uh, that he was part of. Uh, uh, Michelle reminded me; I totally forgot about this. But he was the uh, the lawyer in. Uh, I'm sorry, not the lawyer, but the judge in My Cousin Vinny. And here's a great. Uh, Where's Joe? Uh, I'm sorry.
6: Joe told you that.
5: Oh, Joe. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Thank you, uh, Joe. Uh, I couldn't remember who. uh, (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah, so my cousin Vinny, um, uh, uh, Fred Gwynn's character uh, demands a certain amount of decorum in his courtroom.
13: Your clients are charged with first degree murder. How they plead?
1: Ayana, my cousin. Don't talk
13: to me sitting in that chair. He told
1: me to sit here.
13: When you're addressing this court, you will rise. Speak to me in a clear, intelligible voice.
1: Sorry. My
13: clients are... What are you wearing? Huh? What are you wearing?
6: I'm uh, wearing uh, clothes. I I don't get the question.
13: When you come into my court looking like you do, you not only insult me, but you insult the integrity of this court.
1: I apologize, sir, but uh, this is how I dress.
13: Next time you come into my courtroom, you will look loyally. And I mean you comb your hair and wear a suit and tie. And that suit better be made out of some kind of cloth. (laughs) You understand me?
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, fine, Judge, fine.
13: Good, you may continue. How do your clients plead? Oh, and the 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 suit that he did find, my goodness.
6: <laughs> oh yeah.
5: That's and 70... the tie
6: alone. Oh my god.
5: Oh, Are like you a...
8: mocking me? It
5: was like a uh <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh like a seventies uh bur uh, like maroon tuxedo rental. Um
8: <laughs> yeah, it was very uh plantation owner ish.
5: I thought it was more 70s prom date um, to, <laughs> me, to me. Um, there you go. Oh, yeah, I guess it is a little plantation owner-ish. Uh, yeah. So, um, but uh, anyway, it looks kind of like Captain Kangaroo's outfit, too. Um, yes, it does. <laughs> kangaroo court. Uh, but, yeah, so here's uh, another classic clip from the movie uh, after he's in his uh, fine new suit talking about Utes.
3: Is it possible the two youths
13: uh, uh, to what? Uh, what was that word?
8: Uh, what word?
13: To what? What? Did you say youths?
8: Yeah, two youths. What
13: is a youth?
10: Oh, excuse me, Your Honor, two youths.
5: There you go. Uh, <laughs> so so yeah, classic stuff there. And uh, I think I'm gonna save my other one because it's like a two minute clip. And uh, we'll give it a little breathing room towards the end of the show, if uh, if need be, because it's a classic. It's it's kind of the classic speech from Pet Cemetery and I don't wanna, I don't wanna rush through that. So, uh, but I'll tell you what, uh, we have two special trailer breaks on the show t- uh, uh, tonight. And Michelle, why don't you tell everybody what holiday it is?
6: Okay, tonight it is Christmas in July.
5: So That's we have right.
6: some really nice little Christmas horror movies for you.
5: Yes, so our trailer break, our breaks are going to be a little bit different tonight. Uh, again, no robots, no big kill the hippies music block, but there will be some uh, kill the hippies song paired up with Adam's new mythical moment uh, next break. But for right now, like Michelle said, it's Christmas in July. It's snowing blood. Well, not really, but you know what I mean. Don't kill anybody.
14: I think I killed somebody. I know I killed somebody.
1: Merry Christmas.
12: Christmas. The most magical time of year. Now tell me you will find
9: the perfect Christmas tree. It's Christmas, Christmas is all about forgiveness and family and tradition.
6: Santa, lots of kids are depending on tonight going off without a hit.
9: But in Bailey Downs this Christmas, it's different.
3: Exactly one year ago, last Christmas Eve, the school was the scene of an unimaginable crime.
11: You still want to go down there just for some stupid school assignment? I guess there's any door in the school.
3: This is Krampus, right?
11: That's a Krampus.
3: He's like an anti Santa Claus, a demon who punishes the naughty. He whips them and chains them up, stuff like that. That's fine.
15: It's the elves. I fear they may all become infected. How did it all come to this?
11: We're trapped down here, and there's a psychopath on the these. Bring the
1: changeling back to the forest. That ain't his son.
3: Did you not see what he did? The atmosphere here in Bailey Downs is truly grim this holiday season.
2: Silent night. Deadly night. Billy Pelser has a nice home.
16: Billy, is that you? Yeah, ma,
10: it's me.
2: A nice job. A nice girl. If you're not doing anything this Thursday night, maybe you'd like to uh, go out on a date with me? I'd love to. And loving to parents who are about to give him You're gonna like this. No, 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 don't shake it. We're gonna have to open it now. We'll wait till Christmas. The most unusual gift he ever got. What is it? It's your new pet. Come on, Barney, be a good dog. My dad gave it to me. But there are a few things to keep in mind. If you expose it to the light, you may hurt it. If you get it wet, it will multiply. All that from water? They got wet? Yeah, plain water. And most important, no matter how much they beg, never, never let them eat after midnight. Because when they do, they change.
4: Rafe.
2: They become clever. Mischievous. What's going on here? And dangerous. That looks, eh? Little monsters. Right.
16: Hundreds
3: of them. Well, I, I don't know. Maybe thousands. They've been here too. Billy, what are these things? Where do they come
16: from?
10: Look, I know it sounds crazy. I know. But in a few hours, you're going to have a major disaster on your hands.
2: Gremlins. Directed by Joe Dante. They'll be expecting You.
0: sick no just
5: gremlins won't be sick alright welcome back to It Came From Cleveland uh, episode 15 and uh, yeah um, uh, that was very fun Michelle thank you Uh, put me in the Christmas in July mood
6: Oh, I am so happy you <laughs> like them. It was it was a nice little choice to have. I like. Okay, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go there.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, Joe's gonna have a little Christmas action for us later too. So, uh, aren't you, Joe? Yes. 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 And, Christmas uh, action. Yeah. And hey, Miles, if we have time, I could play the "Make It So, Make It So, Make It So" uh, Patrick Stewart <laughs> song. <laughs> So that's a
6: great one. <laughs> so
5: yeah, we could we could put, bring a, a Christmas in July full circle for everybody. Um <laughs> uh, but uh but yeah, uh, yeah, we'll squeeze that in if we have time. Um and uh all right. Uh so let's get can back. I, yeah, yeah, please. Can Go I say something
6: really quick? Sure. With the Gremlins trailer, they were saying that the Mogwai the, the was not uh, 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 uh smart he, he he was cunning. Yeah, he was pretty smart. Yeah, but they were no. saying that, uh, that only after you fed them after midnight did they become cunning. I'm like, no, you know, the little gremlin guy was smart.
13: He
5: drove Sorry. a he drove uh, that little car, that Barbie car, whatever. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, so uh, the great selection of trailers. So, uh, Thank you. And, and now I'm gonna get into a little bit of trailer action here to introduce uh, who I'm gonna be talking about next. That is one Jackie Earl Haley, and by the way. I went back and I I had to censor the Bad News Bears trailer, rated PG trailer from 1976, uh, because it used not one, not two, but three racial slurs in it. So when you hear oh, no. a, when you hear a beep <laughs> when you hear a beep in the trailer, uh, just know that I censored out a little kid saying three racial slurs. Um, but this is uh, one of the uh, J- Jackie Earle Haley's uh, earliest roles in uh, Bad News Bears. Uh, Here we go.
1: There is no limit to what some men will do for money, especially a man like Morris Buttermaker.
9: No, I really appreciate this. It's just a damn shame that none of the fathers had the time for it. God knows if I wasn't so busy down in the city. You got my check, Whitewood.
1: Even if it meant coaching an unlikely group called the Bad News Bears, it was a team of superstars like Mike Engelberg, Rudy Stein, Reggie Tower, Ahmad Abdul Rahim, the incomparable Ogilvy, Timmy Lupus, Kelly Leek, the Aguilar brothers. With a team like this, there is only one way you can go. Cups and supporters. Gotta be one at all times. Well, either you wear them, get that one, either you wear them or you don't play. Walter Matthau is Morris Buttermaker, a man so desperate to make a buck that he did the unforgivable. He put a girl on the team.
0: Boys, I'd like you to meet your new pitcher,
1: Amanda Wurlitzer. So now a girl? What about that, punk? Tatum O'Neill is Amanda, but Amanda is no ordinary girl, and with her help, The Bad News Bears went from totally terrible to just plain bad. I mean, once you do this league a favor, you and the Bears just drop out. Amanda knew what the bad news Bears needed. She also knew how to get it.
14: If
3: I win, you play baseball for the Bears. And if I win? Name it.
1: What if he tries something,
3: uh... I know an 11-year-old girl
11: who's already on the pill.
1: Don't ever say that word again.
11: Oh, well, well, if it isn't puke. How'd you like me to stick this bat where the sun it? never shines, hit. Turner? it.
1: But a little success is a strange thing. Once you taste it, you want more. And from just playing bad, the Bad News Bears climbed up the ladder to become the team that played baseball like it has never been played before. Academy Award winner Walter Matthau is the coach. Academy Award winner Tatum O'Neal is his secret weapon. Together, they turned the Bad News Bears into a team of superstars you will never forget. Oh, no, you the won't Bad forget News it. Bears. The incredible story of how a disaster combined with a catastrophe and somehow became the greatest champs who ever played ball.
5: And Walter Matthau fed them beer. Fed all the kids beer at the end of the yes. movie. If you don't remember that. And they're <laughs> so... So much wildly inappropriate stuff for a PG-rated movie from 1976. I mean, the you know Tatum O'Neill and it talking a uh, um, oh god, uh, how did I forget his name already? A uh, Walter Matthau. Uh, you know, about sex and stuff. And it's like, oh my god, this is so wrong. Just everything, <laughs> but and Jack, not
6: to mention, like heaven forbid, a girl be a pitcher. Oh really.
5: yeah, yeah. So, but you heard that long beep in there, Joe. <laughs>
16: if you mm-hmm.
5: if you're curious, you can go to YouTube and watch the uncensored. No, no, version. I think I know what it was because I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah, I did
6: too.
5: <laughs> yeah, I forgot so much about this movie because I only saw this movie when it when I was a kid. I saw it when I was a kid. I didn't go back and watch it. I just knew that Jackie Earl Haley got famous for playing uh, Kelly Leak. The local troublemaker who smokes and rides a mini Harley Davidson motorcycle, um, and uh, and yeah, so uh, the but this movie was just wild and and it's just really cool that he got his start in this film, and then he had uh, quite the resurgence of his career. I know it. it he it, I don't think he had a ton of work uh, through um, through the eighties. Um, yeah, I mean it, it, it's like. Uh, his filmography, uh, in the eighties, he only had two movies in the eighties, Losing It and The Zoo Gang. Uh, and then he was in some really low budget movies like Dollman. Uh, that was a full moon production and, uh, Nemesis. Uh, oh, I have that movie that's in our video. That's in our store. (laughs) Maniac Cop. Uh, but yeah, so essentially he, he didn't do a lot, uh. He did a ton of a a fair amount of television in the '80s, but not a lot, you know. Um, Yeah, I'm looking at it, and there's just you know uh, he was on MacGyver once, he was in Whiz Kids once, American Playhouse, uh, uh, Breaking Away. I've never even heard of that show, Um, but yeah, and uh, he got you know. But in the '70s, he had a lot. He was in on Shazam, The Waltons, Love Boat. Marcus Welby, uh, Valley of the Dinosaurs, Planet of the Apes, uh, the TV series, The Partridge Family. Um,
6: he did. He did come into his own though in the 2000s. Oh my God! Uh, oh, did he absolutely. ever? Absolutely.
5: <laughs> I mean, we have so much great stuff uh, from him. Uh, there was uh, there's a movie that he did uh, that I don't know if any of you know, and it is it's called Little Children. And it came out in 2006, and this was before he was in Watchmen. But he was also in it with um, uh, Patrick uh, Wilson, who played Night Owl in the Watchmen, uh, which we'll get to briefly. But the the trailer for Little Children isn't really a good audio trailer; it's more of a visual trailer. So I did not record it, but I did find. A clip of his acting from Little Children. And this doesn't really spoil the movie too much, but I. For. If you're. This essentially is kind of a slice of life horror movie. It's not like slasher horror, but it's kind of. Mmm, tortured spirit horror. Psychological horror, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And. and, uh, But You know, but there's no. uh, I don't want to spoil what, uh, what kind of character Jackie Earl Haley played, but as he admits later in an interview clip that I have from him, uh, he, he admits that he plays a lot of tortured characters, and in Little Little Children, he plays uh, the um, uh, the character of uh, Ronald James McGorvey. And he got all kinds of awards for this. He got the Chicago Critics Film Association Award for Best Supporting Actor, Dallas Fort Worth Film Critics Association Award for Best Supporting Actor, Iowa Film Critics Award, National Society of Film Critics Award, New York, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Village Voice, uh, you know, uh, nominated Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor, uh, nominated Alliance uh, of Women Film Journalists. Nominated awards circuit uh, community uh, uh, gold derby film award uh, screen actors guild award nominated nation. I mean, just you know, you look at the Wikipedia entry and it's like it's 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 like 2006 little children Ronald James McGarvey and then the fourth column on it is just huge, <laughs> you know. Um, and uh, and and this uh, um, I will say this. At one point in the film, uh, he, he's a very damaged individual. He um, essentially was—I uh, don't want to spoil too much. I'm gonna say this: his mother dies. That's all I'll say. Um, and it—you see—you see that coming a mile away. Uh, but uh, this is uh, and in this—and again, Kate Winslet's in this movie too. So if you like Kate Winslet, you have to see this movie. And again, Patrick. Um, Uh, Wilson, you know he's done great. He was in Aquaman as Ocean Master, and he's he's been in all of the uh, Conjuring movies. Uh, He's the lead in the Conjuring movies.
6: Oh, Um, nice.
5: Yeah, so uh, you know it's a great cast. Oh, oh, Jennifer Connelly is in this too. I forgot. Um, And I love her. What's really interesting is the framing device of this movie too. Is there's a narrator in certain parts that talks about the behavior of all the people in it. As if they're like wildlife, like it's a nature documentary. It's wild. It's really fun. I, I, I can't recommend this enough. I will tell you this, it's probably a movie you're only going to want to watch once though. Uh, but uh, but here's a scene where uh, in Little Children where Jackie Earl Haley's character Ronald James McGarvey, McGorve, I'm sorry, is confronted by Kate Winslet's character. Uh, well, he's sitting on a swing on the playground after his mother dies.
10: you need help?
11: <laughs> She's gone. She's gone. Who? Who's gone? Mommy. Mommy's gone. I, I'm sorry. She, she loved me. She's the only one. <laughs> Mommy dies. <laughs>
5: Really intense stuff. Really, really intense
6: Very stuff. creepy.
5: <laughs> yeah. And, uh, well, that it, his character in the movie, creepy as hell, but un, I, I don't want to say too much. But it, it turns out that his character is like, I don't want to say too much. I, I, I can't say too much. He uh, does it, that well, though.
6: He yeah, has a very good grasp of that sort of situation.
5: Oh, yeah, of, of playing tortured individuals and everything. So, uh, yeah, yeah. And speaking of which, uh, Jackie Earl Haley uh, was... I've said this a million times. The Watchmen movie from 2009 is not perfect. Um, Zack Snyder has a lot of faults, I believe, as a director. He's not good with actors. Unless you get somebody like Jackie Earl Haley, who petitioned for the role of Walter Kovacs because he understood the character... Uh, a.k.a. Rorschach, um, who was uh, loosely based on the character, the Charlton Comics character, The Question, um, uh, and, and reimagined by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons for the 80s graphic novel or miniseries slash graphic novel. And uh, But the, arguably, you know, they knew it. They knew that Jackie Earl Haley was one of the best things about this film. Patrick Wilson was a little stiff in this role. I don't think he got it. I don't think he understood. Um, but a lot of the dialogue was very stilted because it was taken right from the comics. And comic book dialogue does not always translate well into cinema uh, no. <laughs> dialogue. Um, there there should be some slight reworks here and there. But, um, but Rorschach's dialogue does work on all fronts because of Jackie Earl Haley and of course the filmmakers got it the marketing team got it and that's why you hear Jackie Earl Haley's voice over like 90% of the Watchmen trailer and I absolutely love this this and and uh yes. so here here we go and then we'll have some interview clip from him on the character
15: matter of time, I suppose.
11: Watchmen. One of us died tonight. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. Harry had been working for the government. Maybe it was a political killing. Maybe someone's picking off costumed heroes.
7: John thinks that there's going to be nuclear war.
11: What if that's why someone wants us out of the way? So we can't do anything to stop it. An attack on one is an attack on all of us. Watchmen are over. What do you suggest we do about it? Retribution. We can save this world. Why would I save the world? I no longer have any stake in. Do it for me.
2: will look up and shout, save us, and I'll whisper, no.
5: <laughs> that gives me chills.
6: <laughs> yes.
5: Oh, God. I seriously. Rorschach I, makes that movie. Oh, he does. He does. And uh, Joe, have you ever seen Watchmen from 2009? Never have. Nope. I think you might dig it. I think you might dig it. It's a, it's a, it's a weird kind of a superhero movie. Um, just a prison scene. Yeah, and I know Miles. You have a favorite line from this movie from Rorschach too.
8: Do you remember what what, what I'm talking about? Yeah, why well, for me, yeah, it's just like you all something you all don't seem to understand. I'm not trapped in here with you. You're trapped in here with me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not locked in here with you. You're locked in here with me.
5: Uh and then proceeds to. Uh, Throw a, a a guy's face in a deep fryer?
8: That, ha- he,
5: or, that or, happened,
8: then the, he made the quote, and then he got beat up by the guards.
5: Yeah, the, or he threw it. He grabbed the deep fryer basket, I think, and threw it on somebody's head. Um, yes. So, yeah, he can find a weapon anywhere. That's the thing with Rorschach, Joe. <laughs> he, he will, <laughs> it, like, wherever he is, you know, like, he was fighting his way out of an apartment building, and he's like, okay, uh, shit, here's uh, some hairspray and a lighter. I'll just spray a cop in the face with this, you know? (laughs) Sort of
7: like the Sharky of the movie.
5: (laughs) He really is, he really is. Yes. So, uh, but but here's a quick clip of Jackie Earl Haley talking about uh, the character of Walter Kovacs, uh, probably from 2009.
11: Walter Kovacs is, uh, is a victim of the, uh, the harsh and cruel and victimizing uh, complexity of Gray. You know, his childhood was, uh, was incredibly tough, you know, with a mother who was a, a prostitute and who neglected him and, uh, you know, gave him a really tough childhood. Um, it really kind of tweaked his, his sense of reality. His biggest concern, I think, is, is for the victim. He's lashing out with, with, with every cleaver sti- strike and finger break. He's lashing out at the... Uh, he's protecting that, that child that he, that he was, but he's also protecting the, the current victim and the identity and the relationship that he can somehow feel knowing that that person is victimized the way he was. Even in, even in all of that, even in devoting his life to that, the police don't like him. Citizens don't like him. None of the watchmen like him.
5: Sounds a lot different than Rorschach, doesn't he? <laughs> I mean, he's he is a voice chameleon, uh, you know. So, um, and uh, and I'm, yeah, as, uh,
8: I'll just say he first came on my radar on on the uh, Human Target series. Yes, as Guerrero. Yes. And um god I love that character but so evil. So it, it, um evil is t- self-serving I think would be well, a little more cuz he talked he technically worked with the good guy. Well, he
5: was he uh, uh, not uh, okay. All right. Not evil, I would say um de- devious and yeah, in, and his threatening and intimidating. Were a
8: little, uh, yeah, his methods yeah. were suspect. We'll go there. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not yeah.
5: I'm not that familiar with the series I just while I was researching was watching some of the best of uh, that character and I was like damn he's he's intense
8: <laughs> oh, oh man I love that character yeah but um
5: you know that's based it, on a DC it's per- you know that's based on a DC comic right H-
8: human target yeah no I I am I am comic book illiterate
5: well, I'm I'm here to I'm here to litter litter you.
8: <laughs> uh, uh, thank you, but his portrayal of Guerrero, I mean, uh, it, it's a credit to his acting skills in that I don't see him. Yeah. You know, it, I don't see him as Guerrero. I, I right now, I mean, I see him more as Rorschach. Yeah. But uh, you know, when I don't see him in uh, what is Alita, Battle Angel. I don't see him as the bad guy in there either. I don't oh, see him I Jack haven't seen that. Act. Right. So, so. Uh, his his he is so able to uh, take different roles and and be he so in, in, them. enrolled he, in them that yeah. I don't see the actor.
5: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I I, I do because I've got like you know the uh, you know he he's just so good at the craft of acting. That he can, I don't think he has to do method or anything crazy like that. I think he just understands and loves the roles that he takes, and even if it's not the most ideal role, um, I think he will. He just makes the most of it, and he realizes, you know, this is a pretty great job, uh, and I'm going to do my damnedest to to make sure that every role is is unique, stands out, bring my own uh, brand of of something something to it. And uh, you know, and just make it a
8: standout performance every time, and that's what yeah. he does. It, 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 for Michelle, it's like with um, this is a off topic, but it's a, like Samuel L. Jackson and Django Unchained. She mm-hmm. didn't see him. She, yeah. The movie ended, and she's like, "Where was Samuel L. Jackson? He was supposed to be in the movie." <laughs>
5: Uh, no, that's funny. Yeah, that, that's,
8: that, a, that's
6: the first time I have lost an actor like that. Yeah, and I was you, like, "Oh my God, <laughs> that's amazing!"
5: <laughs> very cool. Very cool. Well, I'll tell you what we do. So, if if we have time for bonus material at the end, we still have a clip from Pet Cemetery, and uh, we have Jackie Earle Haley talking about Nightmare on Elm Street, the uh, failed, unfortunately, reboot from 2010. He did um,
6: well, though. He As did. the character, he, he did. did well, and I was very happy with his portrayal. But the, yeah. the the movie itself lacked. It
5: yeah. Boring. Well, uh, hopefully we can we'll, we'll be able to get to this uh, in the in the third hour if uh, if we have time. Uh, but he had some interesting things to say about playing Freddy, um, especially after all the other characters that he typically plays. So anyway, I'll tell you what. We're going to go ahead and run to the break, and Joe's going to tell us a little bit about uh, Harrison
6: Ford. And Will Ferrell. Uh,
5: And Will Ferrell, that's right. We've got two birthdays. And, of course, Jackie Earl Haley's birthday was two days ago. Happy 59th birthday, Jackie. Thank you for all the uh, wonderful entertainment. So, uh, all right. Uh, If anybody needs a refreshment... Take Grady's advice right
6: now. I think I'll have me a little drinky-winky.
7: <laughs> and now, on with the show. Just a little juice of the wild grape. It's
0: going to be a good night.
7: we came from Cleveland, Ohio. A
0: land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts from the dead, kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the power! Now
1: at last. The real, shocking story can be told. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived
2: this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror. And you're invited. Mm. Uh, to unto you Something evil. What happened? Uh, It's
7: like weapons malfunction, but uh, everything's perfectly all right now. We're fine. We're all fine. Now, thanks. How are you? Not recommended for
0: impressionable children.
5: <laughs> My favorite line from Harrison Ford from any of the Star Wars films. Uh, how are you? <laughs> and, uh, of course, welcome back to It Came From Cleveland, episode 15, from July 16th, 2021. And just since we've been on the air tonight, I hate to keep plugging this, but I'm going to because it is tangentially related because it's my business... Because I don't have a job anymore. At least I don't know if I'm going to have a job. I still have benefits, but I don't know if I'm going back to work. But my unemployment run at, ran out. So uh, it, since the show began, uh, Voodoo Zombie Boutique, our uh, our uh, sister company, our eBay store, we have sold the Stepdaughter from 1999 on VHS sealed, um, and then from 1998, the Misfit Patrol VHS starring Conrad Brooks from Plan 9 from oh Outer my. Space. <laughs> And uh, Robert Rodriguez presents Predators from 2010 on Blu-ray. We sold so uh, just since the show's been on the air. So there's there's our uh, um, our sales for tonight. Uh, you know, again because we talk about this stuff all the time. And it, and and honestly, the enthusiasm for talking about this stuff on this show helps the enthusiasm for me listing stuff and doing research and who's in what movie and who did this and who did that and how you know. And I try and give a little TLC to all the write-ups too. And tell people that I actually love this stuff that I sell. I'm not just flipping it, you know. So, so there we go. Uh, some some uh, so just a little taste of the kinds of things we sell uh, in our store. So because we're we're really getting into DVDs and Blu-rays now too, uh, because we have tons of VHS still. But you know, there's a demand for all three formats. Uh, so anyway, uh, welcome back to the show, uh, Michelle. Uh, looking forward to. More uh, horror talk later in the program. Uh, the Corey Feldman edition.
6: Oh, as am I. Yeah. But I, I, I was so happy with your Jackie Earl Haley stuff. that oh, thank you. He's an amazing actor. And he I, really I, is. I, I think he's underappreciated. So yeah. there you go.
5: Yeah, and oh, thank you for posting the do it gif as well. <laughs> so
6: yeah, uh, that's the a great one.
5: <laughs> yeah, and uh, and of course, uh, Miles, looking forward to learning about Sir Patrick Stewart and some of your favorite moments and some trivia about him. And now, Joe, did you like that? Uh, I, I, I I catered your uh, the the intro for you uh, with a little Han Solo clip there.
7: Yes, yes. Some of my favorite. I I gave you some of my favorite uh, Han Solo. And in Indiana Jones uh, quotes.
5: Well, you know, and, and it's, it's so interesting, too. And I, I just I want to interject real quick. The fact that why... I, I just am so curious. Why did uh, he hate his Han Solo character but love his Indiana Jones character so much? Because he begged George Lucas to kill off Han Solo in the franchise. But he still wants to keep coming back for more and more for Indiana Jones. Strange. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I I, I don't understand that.
7: Hey, you know, it's, I think it's just a personal preference. I think Yeah. It's like why some people like vanilla and not chocolate. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah.
5: So, well, vanilla and chocolate don't necessarily pay the bills either or buy you mansions on the on the on the coast. No. No, <laughs> I know. Well,
6: I know. Harrison, Harrison Ford was almost not uh Indiana Jones.
5: Wasn't it? Was it
6: Tom Selleck. Tom, S- yeah, Tom Selleck was... was oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. Indiana Jones. I thought you meant Han Solo. Um, no,
6: he, he so. was stuck in that contract with the Magnum P.I., so he couldn't well, do it.
5: So. Yeah, well, yeah. Then, and that goes back to my joke about, you know, uh, uh, why every time I see those Tom Selleck AAG commercials, that's a bitter man who misses Indiana Jones money. Um, yes. <laughs> so I, I, I'm, when you said Indiana Jones, I heard Han Solo. Uh, so I well, was wondering.
7: Actually, yeah. He he almost missed out on Han Solo because my understanding is they wanted uh, Gil- Gilbert Gottfried for that role. But,
16: uh... <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> for some reason, I was thinking Kurt Russell might have been up for Han Solo or Luke Skywalker. I can't remember.
7: Yeah, I don't know. That that would fit.
5: So he might or have
7: Gilbert been... Gottfried or Gilbert Gilbert Gottfried.
12: <laughs> Affleck.
5: Um Uh but anyway, all right, so where do you want to start, uh, Joe? Uh, uh obviously Harrison Ford is one of those actors that kind of uh epitomizes cool on the screen. And uh he was one of my dad's favorite actors, of course. Um and uh and you're you know, uh roughly the same age as, as my dad was. Um uh, <clears throat> but uh you know, so so probably in in your uh Harrison you and Harrison Ford are about the same age, so
7: Right. So I'm going to play Indiana Jones in the next film.
5: Well, but, I think um, it's just a good representation of, of uh, you know, yeah. I mean, he's cool to me, too. But, you know, I kind of have a, a sensibility of, of, you know, my, my cool is unhip to, uh, to people my age sometimes.
7: Yeah, he's, he, Um, actually, I, I almost include, I didn't include a, a clip from uh, American Graffiti. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Yep. Where he first appeared, and uh, where he was uh, racing one of the, the they were having a drag race and everything. So uh, he really got his start back then when he was still a mm-hmm. uh, still building decks for people, I guess. Man, and um,
5: the movie that started Happy so, Days.
7: Yes, yes, uh, and I always said it was. Almost the movie of my life because everybody they did I did, yeah. <laughs> Everything they did I did in my. That's life. awesome. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, let's start with uh, Star Wars because that comes first. And um, I, I gave you some clips that were my favorite lines from from his his both Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Yeah. Um, so uh, I don't know how you have them arranged. Oh, I can but, play however,
5: uh, play whatever you want from Star Wars. Uh, I got all all of them lined up for you.
7: Well, the first one uh, that gets to be is is about uh, you know, wanting wanting to be rich.
5: Ah, yes. Uh, you
7: know, we're, we're, yeah. His I early motivations.
5: His early motivations in from the Star Wars franchise.
7: Yes, yes, and and uh, and um, Luke is trying to tell him how rich he'll be if he helps if he uh, rescues Princess Leia
16: yeah
11: rich Mm -hmm. rich powerful listen if you were to rescue her the reward would be what well more well than you can imagine I don't know I can imagine quite a bit you get it I better (laughs) I better
7: (laughs) I better (laughs) yeah he was such a such a hard ass at the beginning of that film and well, he yeah and up later uh it took it took him also, a while but he did come around yeah he did come especially when when it came to uh, to luke and 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 the one battle where he saved luke's life you know in empire he really became yes and he really became friends yeah i you remember later good. on he even volunteered to go out and and hoth the mm-hmm. the
5: yeah the, the uh, ice planet. The snow planet. To, to yeah. find,
7: right to find him. Yeah. And everything. But he also not, had some some little uh, run-ins with some of the some of the the, uh, the droids, especially C-3PO. Who oh Pissed him yeah. off a lot. <laughs> and uh, there was one scene where they were going to go into an asteroid field with the Millennium Falcon. Oh yeah. And uh, C-3PO tries to warn him off, and uh, you have that clip. Yep,
11: sir. The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is approximately three thousand seven hundred and twenty to one. Never tell me the
5: odds. Yeah, don't, just don't do it.
8: <laughs> that don't was tell actually me. a um, a Carrie Fisher script add-in. Oh
5: yeah, and yeah, Carrie Fisher Fisher uh, actually had a, a great career uh, after that with um, uh, the. Um, uh, you know she she uh, did script treatments and and she was a writer too. So, oh, well, you know what we just watched the other day? Um, Postcards from the Edge, which was oh. Uh, oh. the uh, it was a, a loose uh, autobiography uh, about Carrie Fisher's life, uh, and mm-hmm. uh, she was played by well, it wasn't Carrie Fisher in the movie, but. It was based on her experiences with drugs and stuff like that and uh, it was uh, Meryl Streep, right? Um, yes, was the lead in and, that um, so
7: great movie. yes yeah
5: and in uh, 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 oh gosh what what's uh Shelly uh, Shelley, Shelley Duval? No why am I think who's redhead actress played her mom um, Oh gosh. I can't remember. Yes, I'll, yeah. I'll look it up, uh, but yeah. So anyway, I don't want to uh, take take away too much, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Carrie Fisher had a hell of a career uh, uh, doing uh, fixing people's scripts and and writing herself. So Shirley McLean. Shirley McLean. Thank you. Thank you. Shirley. What did I What did I say?
6: <laughs> Shelly Duvall, but... Shelley Duvall. <laughs> Shelley
7: Duvall.
5: Yeah, same, I don't even know if that's same, a same person. a person. So, uh, I get names that have, like, the little, the Do or Mick or something like that, you know. I, I, I screw things like that up all the time. But anyway, um, it, yeah, so, um, uh, you know, again, I, I just love that that flippant kind of attitude that he would have. Like, you know, it, it just, in Never Tell Me the Odds, like, kind of sums it up, you know. Right. It, it could be he could be called hand, never tell me the odds solo, you know. I know, <laughs> like, I don't want to know any facts, I'm just going in,
7: <laughs> right? Right, right, or just like, like the Nike uh motto, just do it, yeah, just, just do it. it, just do it, and uh, <laughs> and he did it, he went through that that field. and and he he does he does impress himself. So, that's the I think the final clip I gave you from Star Wars was that he easily impresses himself,
10: yeah. You know, sometimes I amaze even
7: myself.
13: That doesn't sound too hard.
5: <laughs> I bet that was a Carrie Fisher one too. I <laughs> would imagine. So uh, I would I, imagine she just had such a good, uh, a, a good uh, eye and ear for snark. Uh, you know, up until the end. Uh, that I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if all of those little things in there were were little tweaks from her because Lucas is not the best writer of dialogue. If you look at the prequels, yes. So I think there was a lot of I hate sand; it gets everywhere. What? <laughs>
7: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah I, I could imagine her just even at living that, not even putting it in a script, but actually just. Spouting it off, that doesn't seem so hard.
8: <laughs> well, yeah, the moment where she says to Han that I love you, and he responds, "I know," that was a Harrison Ford that that uh, uh, Yeah, yeah. Or, or, yeah that Andrew, he talked Lucas about that. And and didn't
7: she, uh, Miles? Didn't they reverse that in another when uh, he yes. says that I love you, and she yes, says in Return of the yeah, Jedi? Yep. Yeah, I know. At the yes.
8: at the bunker on the moon of Endor.
5: Yeah. See, that's so, that, that's that I love that full circle kind of stuff.
10: Yeah. Even though yeah, Michelle and, they, and they I want
5: want to see all the Ewoks destroyed.
6: <laughs> yeah, they should have been blown up, but <laughs> <laughs>
5: um Casualties of oh. War. <laughs>
6: yeah, so, so I'm a bad girl for saying that, but, you know... They were You're awesome.
5: You're an awesome human being for saying that because that's the one thing that I hate the most about uh, the uh, the Return of the Jedi is the Ewoks. Oh, and by the, the way, a little bit of... Uh, before we move on to the, the um, Indiana Jones clips, uh, a bit mm-hmm. of personal real-life trivia... Is I just reconnected uh, in in a professional manner with somebody that I went to high school with, who I attended a screening of uh, Return of the Jedi with, and uh, he's a good guy. He's he you know he he he's an upright dude now and has a, a good business and uh, you know is very a productive citizen. But I will say that he at the theater. Did not want to get up, and and so uh, we would have been 12 years old at the premiere of this. Um, uh, he did not want to get up to go to the bathroom in Return of the Jedi, and he was sitting about three seats down because there oh, were like no. six of us, and he whipped it out and peed on the floor, and we heard it running down all the way to the front of the theater, oh, and I was like... Wow, oh,
16: he's a douche. Oh, <laughs>
5: Well, he did that when he was 12, uh, but I don't. I think he has a little more self-control now. Uh, wow. But uh, just a little trivia for everybody from my personal <laughs> life. But yeah, that's wow. A, that's a one of those one of those. Uh, as Adam likes to say, the more you peel back the layers of the onion for Kenny Pick. Uh, the more you find out. <laughs>
7: yeah, I think um, we all had friends that did similar.
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I had, like some, I do have some good yeah. memories of hanging out with him as a kid. Uh, you know, he was always a decent guy, but he was, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was just like, I don't want to miss the movie and I got to pee real bad. And, you know, so he was 12. I mean, so... <laughs> Um, I'm just glad I wasn't sitting right next to him,
7: <laughs> or, or down, or downstream.
5: Oh yeah, yeah. So
7: <laughs> you hope you didn't put, you know, put your drink down on the floor.
5: Yeah, he doesn't know you I know. have a podcast either. So, and I'm not that mentioning so not
6: name. right. <laughs> I know it's
5: not right. i I'm, That's why I'm telling the story. If it was right, I probably wouldn't mention it.
7: <laughs> That'd be boring. So anyway. it reminds me of a joke I heard on one of the late night shows about the one of the big movie chains opening up and they say oh, and yes we haven't cleaned our floors yet <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Ew. oh yes. did they ever we, uh, we I, still haven't cleaned our floors
5: boy i miss that feeling hey. of my sneakers sticking to the floor sticking what? to the floor yeah. when
6: i worked at a the movie theater we cleaned the floors we cleaned everything come on wow. dudes really
16: yeah, oh Michelle, you found
5: of... the worst Gilbert Godfrey g- gif.
7: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I
6: did. That was on Titten uh,
7: I'm almost sorry I, I mentioned that. <laughs> all right, all right, <laughs> okay. Joe. Let's
5: let before we run Wait, out of he, time. Wait you see the
16: P one? I saw it. I
5: saw it. <laughs>
7: all right, Joe. Excuse Indiana me. Jones. Indiana's what we Indiana call the dogs. Indiana Jones. Dog. Well, first of all. Let's let's start off with the iconic He looks take picks up the torch and looks down in the hole that he's gonna jump into.
5: Oh yeah. We find out (laughs) Indiana's
12: phobia. Snakes. Why'd it have to be snakes? Asps. Heavy dangers go
0: first. You go first. <laughs> <laughs> I Thanks. love that guy. Sa- Thank I you,
5: Sala, guy. You dick. <laughs> yeah. He goes asps. Very
7: dangerous. You go first. <laughs> yeah.
6: You know. Sunrise yeah. Davies. Yep.
5: And a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a little uh, trivia about that scene where the snake is like, snakes are like right in front of his face. If you look very carefully, there is a pane of glass between um Harrison Ford and the snakes um and there's a yeah, bit the cobra. of yeah in uh, the cobra yeah um so the deadliest snakes obviously the one that's like really you know rearing up at him and
6: um, you can't really defang a cobra so there you go
7: yeah i thought they had a combination of rubber snakes down there and they real did. snakes yeah
5: yeah, yeah cuz i i have the that was this was one of the earliest franchises I probably bought on dVD that had commentary, so i I have all these little fun facts in my head about it so
6: you um, can see the reflection though if you, you look can. closely if you
5: look very yeah. carefully you can see a reflection yeah. so uh but anyway yeah but there's there's a couple snake instances uh with the uh, indie joe
7: there there are and and that wasn't his last one the last one he had a hard time getting away from. <laughs> He couldn't did. put a glass there. No, and
5: is this from the first film it, where, where he was in the? Uh, it was a biplane.
7: No, right? no, 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 no. That would not be the first. No. That okay. That would be. I think. Jeez, I'm gonna guess the Temple of Doom. Probably Maybe. so.
5: Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. So, so go ahead and set this one up, Joe. He, he. he uh, how so he's.
7: He, he's in a biplane, and you know how you're always in the front. Mm hmm. Pilots in the back. Yeah. And, uh, he makes a little discovery.
5: Yeah, the, the, the co pilot. He finds the co pilot. The
7: snake yeah. <laughs> in the plane, Jock!
12: Oh, that's just my pet snake, Reggie! I hate snakes, Jock!
16: I hate him! Come on, show a little backbone, will ya? <laughs>
5: I love that show a little backbone no, because a snake is all a, a snake is all backbone
7: <laughs> you know yeah and you're up you're up you know several hundred feet up in the air in a biplane and there's nowhere to go yeah you know yeah you sort of stuck i guess yeah, that-, that was the inspiration for snakes on a plane is it that- uh, yeah there
5: you go yeah
6: <laughs> Yep, yep. That's actually at the beginning of the movie, and when he is, es- when he escapes from the, the 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 the, um, yeah, he escaped from the uh, the blow guys.
7: Oh, okay. He, yeah. So oh, yeah, like fr- yeah. That's yeah. at the
6: well, beginning sh- of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yep.
5: Was oh that the Raiders? yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, that's it is. right.
6: Yeah. Oh,
16: so okay. well, I guess. I don't guess, even remember that.
5: I guess. Uh, I- uh, there's an outtake. There's an outtake uh, of uh, from the movie. Samuel L. L. Jackson actually had a role in oh uh, Raiders <laughs> of the Lost Ark that hit the cutting room floor. Enough
12: is enough. I have had it with these motherfucking snakes on this motherfucking plane. Everybody strap in. I'm
14: about to open some fucking windows.
7: Yeah. 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 He was on that biplane too. So that was the opening to Indianapolis. And it had
5: windows. Isn't that weird? A biplane with windows.
16: (laughs) With with
7: windows.
6: Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it is because he actually gets into the plane after the blow darts are all flying, and you know, um, and the guy escapes. The other guy escapes with the idol.
7: So I actually do not remember. That scene in India. I remember it now.
5: It's it's after the whole temple chase and all that stuff, right? Okay, okay. Yeah. Because yeah.
7: yeah, Because I remember sitting in the theater when it first came out, and I had, you know, this was right right after he did Star Wars and everything, yeah. yeah. And, and Raiders of the Lost and and you know and and Spielberg had done, um, Close Encounters. Yes. Right. I think it was right right before that. Mm-hmm. And. I remember thinking, Jaws. you know, what it said Raiders of the Lost Ark. I had in my head—I didn't even know what was it about, what it was about. I had it in my head that this was a, another space uh, film. Oh. And I'm thinking, what what planet are they at that he's going in this cave and, and all this stuff? <laughs> and, <laughs> I was you like, know, it's a jungle. I'm, I'm, I'm right <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, like I'm sitting in the theater, thinking, thinking, you know, Close Encounters, and this is going to follow, you know, something like Raiders of the Lost Ark, and I'm thinking space arc you know, you I know what thinking. I bet
5: the guy the guy who made Buckaroo Banzai had thought the same thing when he uh, went to see it because Buckaroo <laughs> Banzai is probably the movie you want to see uh, <laughs> if you feel cheated but uh...
7: yeah no I didn't feel cheated yeah. I was no. I was pleasantly surprised yeah. at the, the the content but uh, uh, mm-hmm. at first I think I turned to the guy next to me I said uh, Planet Thera <laughs> Very I was funny. waiting to see Ewoks or something
5: yeah. But, uh, all right, nub nub. Uh, but yeah, okay, Joe. We got two more quick clips. Uh, go okay. Ahead and, yes. Go and set these up.
7: Yes, and uh, so um, there. There. This is probably one of besides the, the the gun scene with the guy with the sword. This is probably mm-hmm. the the best comeback uh, by him uh, in 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 all of the movies when the one guy threatens him to to go see god yeah this is a good one you
5: want to talk to god let's go see him together i don't have anything better to do the sorry the clip got messed up <laughs> at the end uh, oh okay so.
7: i but don't he, have anything better to do yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that clip it's great stuff well and, I, I, it, the and other and the, the one that follows yeah huh?
5: The the other clip is equally as as uh, it may be even a little Sn- better snippy. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it, but yeah, it's a, it, he's a, Where, a, it, a, uh, he. The guy his-
7: the guy is trying to trying to uh, trying to uh, be be uh, nice to 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 Han, to, Han Solo, to Indiana. Uh, Indiana Jones and say how oh we're equals you know even though we're on the other side. And uh, he has this to say.
13: Where shall I find a new adversary so close to my own
7: level? Try the local sewer. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very cool. So, yes, yes. And uh, there was one clip I did leave out, but uh, it was from Indiana Jones when his girlfriend says, you you look, you're not the man that I I, uh, fell in love with. And he said... It's not the age, it's the mileage. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Well, I'll tell you what, Joe. If you don't
5: mind, I think we're gonna it, we'll, we'll save the elf clip uh, for towards the end uh, with my bonus uh, features as well, because um, uh, we're gonna give Michelle most of the last hour, but uh, we'll, we'll try and squeeze in all of our other clips if you don't mind. Uh, but I want to no, get to re- run into that's break uh, to make sure Miles has enough time to talk Patrick Stewart. And this break is a little bit longer. I apologize. Um, But Adam Hebert is back with his uh, mythical moment. And uh, talking Monkey King again. And uh, I might forego the Kill the Hippies song until the end of the show. I don't know. Well, we'll see. We'll see what it looks like. But anyway, we'll be right back with... And thank you, Joe, for the fun with Harrison Ford there. Um, And we'll be... uh, We'll be right back.
16: Sir, the possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field is
5: approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds.
4: For Radio for Humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert with Mythical Moment Number 13, Sun Wukong Part 5. Life's a peach. When we last left Monkey, he had abandoned his post as a glorified stable boy and returned to Flower Fruit Mountain, where he declared himself to be the Great Sage Equal to Heaven. The Jade Emperor was outraged that this cheeky monkey would dare do such thing, and ordered the forces of Heaven to arms. After the attack, led by the legendary hero Lotus Prince Neja, was repelled, Gold Star once again suggested an offer of amnesty and recognizing Monkey as the Great Sage Equal to Heaven. The Jade Emperor, not wanting to risk another humiliating defeat, agreed, and Monkey was brought back to heaven, given a magnificent mansion and a formal rank in the bureaucracy. As time passed, the Jade Emperor got complaints from many of Monkey's neighbors, stating that his constant hobnobbing and kowtowing was being a bother. The Jade Emperor figured Monkey had too much time on his paws and called him forth. He made Monkey the guardian of the Grove of Immortal Peaches, which was conveniently located next to his heavenly mansion. Inconvenient for the Jade Emperor was the little known fact that Monkey absolutely loved peaches. The Grove of Immortal Peaches was, as the name implies, full of peaches that would bestow immortality upon the one who ate them. In this grove there were three kinds of peaches. One that ripened every 3,000 years, one that ripened every 6,000 years, and finally one that ripened every 9,000 years. The monkey took the same the people who worked under him off on the premise of wanting to work alone, before sneaking off to the grove, stealing a bushel of peaches, and sitting in a tree eating them before taking a long nap. This made him immortal three additional times over, for a total of five times immortal. One day, several fairies came to pick peaches for the Banquet of Immortal Peaches, a swank shindig thrown every few thousand years by the Queen Mother, the Jade Emperor's mommy, they tried to find some peaches to pick, only to find that most of them were gone. They managed to gather a meager amount of them, and f- eventually found monkeys sleeping in a tree. They woke him, and he asked what they were doing. They told him why they were there and about the party, and he asked who was invited. The fairies told him everyone was invited. He asked where his invitation was, and they blinked, asking why a monkey would be invited to this feast. Livid, monkey used his magic to paralyze the fairies. He then went to the Queen Mother's palace, where he tricked Barefoot Immortal, whose defining characteristic was apparently a lack of decent footwear, and used magic to imitate his new friend. Monkey snuck in, found the table that had been set for the banquet, and drank all of the immortal wine. This had the effect of making Monkey very drunk, and now six times immortal, and he stumbled through the palace, coming upon the laboratory of the immortal Taoist Lao Tzu. There, Monkey felt Matsu's pills of longevity, and he promptly ate the entire lot. For those of you keeping track at home, this made Monkey immortal seven times over, giving him the immortality mother load. As he sobered up, he realized he had made a huge mistake. Soon, some guards managed to find him, and a chase that the three stooges were proud of ensued. Monkey evaded the guards of the palace and snuck out of the gate, returning to Water Curtain Cave with a sigh of relief. Meanwhile, in Heaven, the Jade Emperor was getting complaints left and right about Monkey. The fairies complained about him paralyzing them. Barefoot Immortal complained about trademark market infringement. The Queen Mother complained about the banquet being ruined. And finally, Lao Tzu complained about the pills of longevity being taken. The Jade Emperor had quite enough. It was time to deal with Heaven's Monkey problem, and permanently. The Jade Emperor called his warriors to arms and put his nephew, Erlang Shun, in charge because Heaven was a meritocracy long, Sean was given his orders, terminate the monkey with extreme prejudice, and if he couldn't, capture the simian terror and return him to heaven for justice. The final battle between heaven and ape was set, and the final act of monkey's rebellion began to play out. There would be no amnesty, there would be no new position in the bureaucracy, there would only be terrible and horrible war. For a writer for humans, and it came from Cleveland, this is Adam Hebert reminding you that life's a peach and then you die. Back to you, Kenny. Background music is Medieval Fantasy Adventure by Alexander Nakarada, who can be found at www.serpentsoundstudios.com licensed under creative commons by attribution 4.0 license. Thanks, Alexander.
14: That's the while you can, monkey boy.
5: All right. More Monkey King action. Thank you, Adam. Yeah, I decided I didn't want to cut into Miles' time too much, so if
11: we get to it,
5: for bonus content at the end of the show, I'll play the Kill the Hippie song I had planned. So, look at that. <laughs> We're pushing everything back. Um, uh, but, Miles, I don't want to impede on uh, a knighted actor like Sir Patrick Stewart. And, uh, and of course, uh, thank you, Joe, for uh, the Harrison Ford action and uh, your recollections of uh, seeing him in the theater and... Uh, what not? What,
6: what what planet are they on? Okay, I'm back.
5: <laughs> oh, okay. And what planet were you on, Joe? I'm just kidding. So, uh, uh, but anyway, uh, Joe, you there? I'm here. There you go. So, I asked what planet you were on.
16: <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I'm
7: not sure. <laughs>
5: and welcome back, Michelle, uh, as well. Looking forward to talking mm-hmm. some, Corey Feldman. Action with you, another Spielberg connection there as well. And uh, yeah,
6: be, yeah. I'm sorry about that. We had a slight internet hiccup.
5: <laughs> oh no, you're fine. Uh, we just got back, and uh, but yeah. So um, and uh, uh, welcome back to you, Michelle and Miles. Uh, uh, without further ado, Sir Patrick Stewart. Where do you want to begin?
8: Uh, let's start with his um, Dune uh, role. In oh, he yeah, he played. Uh, gurney halleck yes uh, that um is i think the first memory i have of patrick stewart uh, you know, you know what's funny
5: is is i did not know until i rewatched dune that he was patrick stewart um <clears throat> it, you know it, it's like i saw dune when i was a kid then next generation came on and then I rewatched Dune, and I was like, shit, that was Patrick Stewart.
8: So Right. Yeah, that's pretty much the same for me. I mean, it was just like, yes, I mean, that would be the first time I, I can remember him. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it's it, it's not that the role stood out. The Gurney Halleck role is actually a minor role yeah. of the Dune series. It, it wasn't that big a, a role. Um, and he played I space can, guitar. I, I I consider the uh, Duncan Idaho role to be bigger and that character, spoilers dies early, anyway um, he'll come back Um. Yeah, yes he does (laughs) Uh, so in that movie um, he was actually not David Lynch's first choice for the role, it is not revealed who that first choice was but um, once filming started it was too late to change him out And so he got the role Mm. of Gurney Halleck. And uh, he has said the still suits, which are the suits that the uh, Fremen wear to conserve their uh, moisture, uh, conserve water, he said that was the most uncomfortable costume that he has ever worn. Really?
5: And And Max Van Cidow
8: says the same thing, but he wore it because he liked the way his suit looked in it. Now, that suit the still suit that was in that movie were originally body bags. They were made from body bags that were found in disused fire stations dating back to the early 1920s. Oh, dear Lord. Because this movie was filmed like in Mexico City or something like that yeah. down in Mexico for the desert scenes, of course. And uh, it was not revealed to the cast members but some of those body bags had actually been used several times ouch <laughs> that's a Outters. that's an uncomfortable uh, that's, little, little bit of uh, that's yeah. david lynch for you yeah, yeah yeah there's there's all kinds of uh trivia for doom but that's it's not related to uh, patrick stewart so that's that that's moving on but um yeah he did not expect to be in the role now uh, you're talking about the police. So um, he was asked in other interviews, what, or, or, or re- actually at the time, what it was like to star next to Sting, who was, you know, a very famous musician, you uh, uh, lead of uh, the band The Police. And so he had to admit that he did not know oh. who Sting was. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> he didn't know who Sting was. He had a conversation with Sting, and he you know, was asking, like, oh, so so what do you do? Like, ah. you know, and Sting told him, well, you know, I, I play a musical instrument in the, uh, the band, uh, you know, a band, you know, The Police. And Patrick Stewart admitted he did not understand what Sting was saying and that he thought that he was just a bass player or some sort of double bassist or something in a police band.
5: Yeah, yeah, like the 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 they're down at the station they jammed every uh yeah.
8: <laughs> So every Sunday. You know, uh kudos to Patrick Stewart for owning up to that miss, you know, but uh it, it, that is a that is a moment that will be lost to antiquity because unfortunately cameras were not rolling during that little conversation between Patrick Stewart and Sting. But I'm sure it was uh
5: <laughs> well, you're here to help. Uh, you're here to help preserve it, at least in, in digital audio format.
8: There we go, saved. <laughs> yeah, hooray! I'm a hero. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. So, I, I, uh, the train just left us station. That's okay.
5: Interest. Just a quick, interesting tidbit uh, of Gurney Halleck uh, it will be played by Josh Brolin, aka Thanos and Cable. Uh. Uh, Jonah Hex, of course, as well uh, in the upcoming Dune film.
8: Cool, cool. So, oh, I am looking forward to that. Love me some Dune. Um, you know, David Lynch's I loved that movie. Then I read the book. Anyway, so, you know, anyway. So, uh, back to Stuart and um, his uh, portrayal as uh, Captain Picard of Star Trek The Next Generation, a role for which he is I, I would say, arguably, um, I think what he's most famous for. I can't think of something he's more famous for than that.
5: I think with our generation, uh, probably that. The generation uh, uh, after us, probably Professor X. But, That's fair. You know? Yes. Um, yes. So, but they so, probably, you know, I mean, but the kids who watched X-Men probably watched Star Trek, too
8: so uh quick tri- uh, uh, uh a trivia i want to get off on this so the word data of um an american uh lingo which mm-hmm. is you know the word you know information and what have you patrick stewart is credited for changing the way americans pronounce the word because he used the british pronunciation data instead of data and originally wow. the character was supposed to be called commander data but he pronounced it data and that data. is how it yeah. was cha- it was p- pronounced throughout the rest of the series oh my god that's he he
5: literally changed the way we all pronounce yes. a word
8: <laughs> yes <laughs> That that that's the yeah that power. So anytime you say data, you can thank Patrick Stewart for you know, uh, you know his inflection on you know his 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 of America. His small contribution there. I just <laughs> wish he
5: would have uh, introduced Z uh, instead of Z for us. Oh, too. Uh,
8: okay, yeah, that, that there you go, Zed. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh, there's so many British phrases that are cool. Yeah. Uh, anyway. or, or you know,
5: uh, I I'd, aluminium. Have mo- I'd have more. Yeah, aluminum. I'd have more Yeah, Aluminum. Spanner- I'd have more spanners in my toolbox. Yeah, um. yeah. yeah. <laughs> although,
8: although we could probably pass on what they use the word they use for cigarette. But uh, uh,
5: yeah, and yes. uh and and apparently the we uh, we have fanny backwards over here too. By the way. Fanny. Literally.
8: Oh, <laughs> well, wow. I don't know what that was. It's.
5: Fanny, uh, like fanny pack uh, over here, you know, it, it's like you you wear it around your fanny. Your fanny is your butt. Well, uh-huh. uh, a fanny is a woman's front in England.
8: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. I just wore so, something. Like I said,
5: we have <laughs> <had> it backwards.
8: <laughs> Interesting. All right. Uh, so, apparently he married... Um, Windy Noose, who is the, uh, uh, former producer on Star Trek Voyager. Uh, oh, so he married someone in, in the Star Trek, uh, you know, family. And, cool. um, Brent, he, he became like, oh, uh, you know, best friends with Brent Spiner mm-hmm. and Brent Spiner was his best man.
5: Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah. How, how cool to be to hang out with, uh, those two and Ian McKellen all at once?
8: Uh, oh yes uh, <laughs> I, think that, I think I have a trivia about them hanging out um, oh I, I put I, I, I printed out some trivia I got once I'll be printing up I mean uh, bringing up So he was so convinced that he was not going to make it as the captain mm-hmm. of the series that he did not unpack his bags for 6 weeks. Yeah, he was really uptight. There were
5: there's there's a lot of stories and interviews I've heard with other cast members that that he was very very rigid and very uptight when he started the series. And um he and he he would, you know, bark at people and stuff like that and he was really awkward and uncomfortable, but then he just was like, "I'm letting all that go. I am Captain Picard.
8: This is what I want to do." You he, know. I mean, he nailed the role. I mean, yeah. I just love yeah. the, the. It's a great character. Um, all right, so, oh! Uh, the What's known as the Picard Maneuver. This is when he stands up or sits down, and he straightens his tunic because yes. of a crease that will happen across his, I don't know, his pecs or part of his midriff or something like mm-hmm. that. And so that term, the Picard was coined by Jonathan Frakes. I'm sure it and, was, <laughs> and and the name stuck. So yeah. uh, Jonathan Frakes got, uh, is credited with that.
5: Well, they so, changed they changed the outfits in what season? Because the, the outfits originally were a onesie and when they would sit yes. down it would like totally cut into their taints
6: yeah it was, it, was, it was awful it would bunch up it was horrible yeah Ugh. so
5: so then they had the problem making it a two piece when they sat down the fabric was thicker on them so yeah it would make it it would bunch up at the top so then he would just do the quick pull tuck you know you know uh, straighten out you know thing and uh, yeah and it, it was just kind of a one of those things, and well, I, and I think Jonathan Frakes wanted his own maneuver too. I think there was probably the Riker maneuver because if you ever seen him sit down in a chair, he always swings his leg over the top of the back of the chair.
8: Have you seen that? Oh, okay. <laughs> no, that that. There's a that comes there's in a video
5: mind. there's a video montage of him doing that on YouTube of him like stepping over the back of a chair to sit down.
8: <laughs> Jonathan Frakes is a tall man.
5: Yeah, yeah. So, anyway, I'm sorry <laughs> oh, to cool. cut uh, in. So,
8: uh, Cole Maney, who, who is also um, engineer... Oh, God, it's an oh, Irish name, oh, I think. Oh, O'Brien. Oh, 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 Chief O'Brien. Right, O-Bri- Chief O'Brien and uh, Quark, the Armand Shimmerman. Uh, yeah. Those um, are, he, uh, along with Patrick Stewart... Are the only three actors to appear in the pilots of two different Star Trek series? Oh, Deep Space Nine. Uh, right. Yeah, Deep Space Nine, and uh, I believe uh, Voyager. Um, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Oh,
5: okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, right. those those are the deep- only three, uh, essentially, in that that. Uh, yeah, right. those were the only 3 series in that that uh, time period of the Star Trek universe, right?
8: Um yeah, that's yeah, the same time period, yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, those three series, right. And Patrick Stewart has the first line in both Star Trek Next Generation and Deep Space Nine. No way.
5: I got to go back and yep. watch Deep Space Nine, the first uh, episode. I was blown yeah, he, away by Deep Space Nine when it premiered. By the way, it was it was, it was great.
8: I yeah. stopped watching it way early, and it's it's kind of on my bucket list to watch the series. So, it's it's well one of the uh, things I want to do. But it's yeah, a long
5: series. Us being the same age, you know, it's like that time in our lives. We we kind of were out on our own, trying to make it, and didn't really have time to watch TV you know, after the, you know, the eighties, you know, so I, I'm, I'm seeing star Trek, the next generation episodes that I didn't remember seeing the first time around, yep. you know, there are
8: some I haven't seen. So yeah, I kind of, I kind of just dropped off after certain. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So the character, uh, Picard is named at uh, Gene uh, Roddenberry named it after uh, Jacques Cousteau's close friend, who apparently is named Picard, um, and it's also a reference to Captain Pike because Picard means Pike hand. Oh, handle.
5: wow! That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, well, Star so. Trek's
8: full of these little nuances like that. Mm-hmm. That they give all kinds of uh, stuff. I was always so a big it, Pike fan. Uh, we all remember that uh, uh, Doctor Crusher, uh, played by Gates McFadden, mm-hmm. was replaced by that other actress in a, in one season. That, it, that 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 died a horrible death. That, that yeah, that she was not was a nice not person.
6: No. Well received,
8: <laughs> and because wow. of um, uh, Stewart's friendship with Gates McFadden, he convinced her to return. What was her reason
5: for leaving? Did she just leave uh, uh, because I know one? Did wasn't she pregnant? Wasn't she pregnant at one point during the series too? I don't know. I don't know why she left. All right, all right. No, no worries. Well, I won't uh, keep you. Go ahead.
8: Okay. uh, So uh, Patrick Stewart has played the John Luke Picard character in five different series. He's played it in, of course, Star Trek: Next Generation, and it's Deep Space Nine. And most recently in Star Trek, Picard, which I believe is coming out with a second season very yes, soon. Yes, very soon. And he has also played Stark uh, Picard in the series Family Guy and Robot Chicken. Oh, okay. <laughs> both great series. Love Yes, them
6: both. Robot Chicken. Love it.
8: He is also friends with Lippy Goldberg and William Shatner Um uh, no, I'm going to skip that one. <laughs> and we still
5: have two. Oh, this is a, we, this we is have a four, great size. Four, oh. We
8: have four minutes of audio for you, too. Oh, so. yeah, uh, yeah. i got to skip over these things. Oh, there was one I know Michelle wanted to hear. Oh, the Ice Bucket Challenge. So there was some celebrities were given this or challenged or nominated or volunteered to do the Ice yeah, Bucket yeah. Challenge for charity. And in which they either get a ice bucket dumped over their head or they sign a check over to charity. So... Stewart released a wordless video, in which he wrote out a check. He took two ice cubes from a bucket and put them in a glass of whiskey, which he then toasts towards the camera. (laughs)
16: Nice.
8: (laughs) So that's the reason. I've got more trivia, but to get to the clips, all right. So, uh, some favorite moments of uh, Captain Picard in series. Which one should we do first?
5: Uh, the uh, the the survivors. I it does it doesn't have much of Patrick Stewart, but I think it's right. it's it's pretty succinct.
8: Um, it I okay. So the Survivors is about a world that has been bombarded and destroyed. The Enterprise finds two survivors, and they're investigating why are there these survivors, and it becomes the, the end reveal is a moment, one of my favorite moments of Picard when he realizes that what he's dealing with is super dangerous.
6: As is mine, and, this is one of my favorite episodes And decides
8: well. that, okay, we are not gonna touch you with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Um, so basically, it's about a being that's super powerful. And what mm, happens when you annoy powerful. him? Way powerful, way yeah. Yeah. powerful. So with that set up, I think we're ready to play that clip. Oh, okay. I wish
15: I could have died with her you couldn't. You were left alone. Yes. I saw her broken body. I went insane. My hatred exploded. And in an instant of grief, I destroyed the husnock.
10: Why did you try to hide this from all of us? Was it out of guilt for not helping Rishon and the others when they were alive?
15: No, 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 no. You you don't understand the scope of my crime. I didn't kill just one Husnak or a hundred or a thousand. I killed them all. All Husnak, everywhere. Are 11,000 people worth 50 billion? Is the love of a woman worth the destruction of an entire species? This is the sin I tried so hard to keep you from learning. Why I wanted to chase you from Rana.
0: We're not qualified to be your judges. We have no law to fit
11: your crime. Mm. God, I
0: love this. You're free to return to the planet
8: and to make Rishon live again. Yeah, wow. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> the, the look on Picard's face when he realizes what he's talking about and what he's dealing with, because before they didn't understand. They're like, oh, you blew up those? Not big deal. Like, no, 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 you don't get it. <laughs> the entire species everywhere is dark. Everywhere Every, across everywhere. the
5: universe. Across the universe. I yeah, It's like a Thanos that. moment. The you know, life. you snap yeah. your
8: fingers and, boop, gone.
5: Yeah, except specifically one race of beings.
8: Right. Yeah. Yeah. Complete genocide. So, yeah. yeah. That just, uh, I, I love that look on Picard uh, when, when Patrick Stewart, you see the look on his face as he's like, oh.
6: Yeah, even oh, yeah. getting to it, at the first, she didn't really understand, and Picard did. It's like, yeah. oh, wow.
8: So <laughs> uh, the next clip I'll bring up... Um, So, Picard deals with that situation with... uh, some, There are other situations where... A little more more hands-off
5: than the next one. (laughs)
8: Uh, Yes. Uh, He encounters problems sometimes, and he's like... He has to uh, deal with them. Uh, He needs something of importance, and these people are being difficult. And so, he's like, okay. And so, he uses his... This is where... Picard shines in diplomacy. a moment of diplomacy.
6: Diplomacy, yes. Where he, yep. he
8: gets the job done with some real—I'll say—a light touch. Hotspot. but you can hear that. You can hear <laughs> the tension. Uh, so we'll let it roll with that. All right, here you go. By the Klingon home world,
0: Garanokatau. Neither, sir. It is the junior adjutant to the diplomatic delegation. Junior adjutant. <laughs> I check, sir. On screen. Greetings, Captain. I regret to inform you that Garon and the High Council are quite busy and won't be able to speak with you today. Is Garon aware that we have been transmitting messages for the past three days? Captain, Garon wishes it were possible to talk with everyone who wants an audience, but he is one man. The demands on his time are formidable. If you would like me to take him a message... A message?! Very well. Tell Gowron, leader of the High Council of the Klingon Empire, that his Arbiter of Succession, Jean-Luc Picard, needs a favor. A favor? I require a cloaked vessel. A cloaked vessel? This is no small favor, Captain. It is for a mission that could have repercussions throughout the quadrant. How would it benefit the Klingon Empire? I'm sure Garon will ask. The only benefit to the Klingon Empire would be our gratitude. That is what you want me to tell him? Yes. And please add that if he is unable to provide us with a ship, then I am sure there are others in the Klingon Empire who would be willing to help (laughs) me. And then, they would have our gratitude. (laughs) (laughs) I see. Also, please tell Gauron that I am immensely gratified that he is prospering so well. A tribute to his skilled leadership. Yeah, that's
5: so good. That's so good.
6: That was a natural 20 on a diplomacy roll.
5: There you go. Yeah, (laughs) that was so good. Yeah.
8: Uh oh I'm so out of time but I do want to point out uh that because of his um contract with Star Trek he did not have the time to accept the offers from Disney to lend his voice to films like The Little Mermaid, thank god. Beauty and the Beast, thank god. Aladdin, thank god. and Pocahontas. Thank
5: God. <laughs> oh,
6: thank God for Pocahontas. That was a shit show. Well, I'll oh, tell you
5: right. what, Miles, you had a lot of fun stuff here, and I'd hate for it to go to waste. Do you want to pick up next week and uh, do more Sir Patrick Stewart?
8: I can wrap up some
5: touch up stuff. Sure, sure. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't want to dictate what you do, but if, if you uh, want to expand upon it and find some more clips, uh, we possibly can. Um,. But yeah, so, but we do have to, we do have to go to the break because Michelle. He does
8: have a huge career. I mean, he was also considered for Doctor Who and The Master.
5: Oh, I wouldn't be surprised. And by the way, he was also in a, in a really, really, he was a villain in a very, very, very creepy movie called The Green Room recently. And I can't watch that.
6: I can't watch it. I don't want to watch it. It's
5: so (laughs) awful. He's, he plays, he plays basically a white nationalist. Um, I know, and yeah. I can't
6: watch it because I don't want i don't want him sullied in my mind. <laughs>
5: uh, yeah, I can understand. So, anyway. Uh, but, all right. Uh, but don't worry, Miles. Uh, when we come back uh, next hour, uh, be sure to listen to the full intro. Uh, we'll have a little more Patrick Stewart for you. But, yeah, we'll be right back with more It Came From Cleveland right after this. Michelle's
0: going to talk Corey Feldman. It'll be a good night. It came from Cleveland, Ohio. A land of strange rituals. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. from the dead. Kept alive by experimental science. Science runs amok when human beings tamper with unknown forces. Cut the
1: power! Now at last. The real, shocking story can be told.
7: We are giving you
1: all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the
12: miserable
2: souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. A nightmare combination of shock and terror, and you're invited. A food Mm until unto you, something evil. Resistance is futile.
0: Your life as it has been is over.
12: Not recommended
0: for impressionable children. Damn, that's harsh, little cutis. Harsh.
6: And then some.
5: <laughs> I uh, I apologize for being late. I was outside and I saw a firefly drowning in a, a puddle and I rescued it. <laughs> I saw a fi- okay. I saw a firefly's light blinking and I looked over and there's a puddle in one of our uh, lawn chairs that's out in the yard and it's raining right now. And I saw this dim little light blinking, uh, because you know, it's like has the, the concave kind of seat and it's an old metal, like sixties, uh, lawn chair. And I saw this faint, faint light, uh, from a firefly and I went over and I fished him out and I put him under the patio roof on the, on the picnic table. And, uh, and he's, 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 uh, shaking it off. So he, he flapped his wings and everything. So I think he's going to make it, um, I love fireflies so anyway welcome back to the show uh thank you Miles for uh some eye-opening uh Patrick Stewart's trivia appreciate that very yep. much and uh and again we can definitely revisit uh Patrick Stewart anytime you want I don't care you know uh I I, I think Joe uh, me Joe and Michelle all appreciate any Patrick Stewart anytime
6: heck yeah
5: yeah absolutely so, and Joe, thank you for, uh, your Harrison Ford contributions, another sci-fi, uh, legend. Uh, but for, for now, we're going to delve back into the horror realm with, uh, one of my, uh, peers, uh, one of Michelle and Miles' peers too, but literally, um, uh, Corey Feldman is, uh, just a few days younger than me because I was born June 15th and he was born when Michelle?
6: uh we can say um oh i forgot to write july them. uh <laughs>
5: no that's okay don't worry about it i'll, I'll find uh, july, it july uh 11th yeah so so there you go and uh yeah everybody we're talking about tonight no
6: july 16th sorry oh
5: so his birthday is today yeah. so he's literally uh a month uh a month uh younger than me um but yeah so but yeah everybody we're talking about tonight uh has july birthdays and um uh but yeah so so michelle where do you want to begin with uh cory feldman because uh, we're going to give you a little stretching room here and we're going to try and squeeze in some of our bonus content at the end too
6: well well Cory Feldman has such a rich rich um history in in film but um, what i like to start with, at least in uh, one, of his, one of his earlier films, 1984, uh, Friday the 13th, the final chapter.
5: It wasn't the final chapter, by the way.
6: <laughs> no, it was not. <laughs>
12: Three times before, you have felt the terror, known, the madness, lived, the horror, but this is the one you've been screaming for. Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Jason is back moves like a shadow dark and silent Sorry,
11: you change your mind
12: he never utters a word he doesn't even seem to breathe where
14: the hell's
11: a corkscrew
12: he simply mindlessly <laughs> mercilessly
16: <laughs>
12: kills but now, oh, what the heck! It cut off.
6: Oh no! Well, that sucks.
5: Well, well, with well,
6: well we got, I, I we can got fill the in picture. some stuff. Sure, sure. Okay, um, Corey started his career at the early age of three. He appeared in a McDonald's commercial.
5: That's right.
6: So, um, and then he was like in a, he was in the Bad News Bears, more commending. Uh, it is enough. Mm -hmm. one day at a time and cheers um he actually divorced his parents
5: that's right because they mismanaged his funds
6: heck yeah and it was an early age i think at at 15 or 16 so he actually emancipated himself from his parents
5: there was and go ahead no go ahead Oh, I I was going to say there was actually a a bit of a parody uh, called the Josh Fenderman story on Mr. Show with Bob Odenkirk and David Cross, where they did this like kind of like VH1 behind the, you know, actor behind the music kind of thing uh, of and they spoofed the idea of Josh Fenderman or, or I'm sorry, Corey Feldman as Josh Fenderman. And I actually have a clip of that. It's only 19 seconds, but this relates to him, like, uh, divorcing his parents. I
7: didn't know how to spend this money. It didn't come with instructions or a manual. I didn't realize that if you exchanged
4: it for property or services, that they would take it away for good. And that's just what they did.
5: That's just what they did. So, anyway. Yeah. So go ahead.
6: Yeah. But but what's funny about this is um, the Friday the 13th, the final chapter, basically he plays a young Tommy who's with the sister. And there's like a whole bunch of teenagers that his sister's trying to, you know, and they've got this house and their house across the area from where these teenagers are having their like little Bacchanal. And Mm -hmm. it just becomes a whole total crap fest. And of course, you know, Tommy plays the hero. He actually survives the Jason you know encounter with his sister.
16: Yes. And
6: yeah, but it's it's it really it's an interesting way for him to break into the movie role. And then that gets followed up by the Goonies.
5: That's right. And uh, my apologies I navigated away. Here we go. We
16: are it! Steven
2: Spielberg presents the Goonies. A Richard Donner film. Hey, Mike
16: found the map. Wow, do you guys realize what we could do? I don't want to go on any more of your crazy, goonie adventures.
2: Meet Mikey.
16: I gotta go faster.
2: Brand. Andy.
16: Shame, shame. Come on, Brand. Slipper the tongue. That's disgusting. No, I can't even bust. Malt. I gotcha. Now get out from behind. Her. You're ruining the pain. You're, you're ruining my job. <laughs>
2: Stephanie, Data,
16: guys, yeah, isn't that neat?
2: And Chunk.
16: Stop. Chunk.
2: <laughs> they call themselves the Goonies. They've stumbled onto a legend, but they're not alone.
3: Chunk, I hope that was your stomach. No, that's
16: the it. Sounds
2: like Kong. Discover what they uncover.
3: Rubies and emeralds and, and diamonds.
2: The lost map.
3: Oh, the start of the
2: tunnel? The secret caves. hidden clues Kiki! the treacherous traps
5: all right so uh, i don't know what's happening with those clips but it, it got cut off again
6: yeah that's strange
5: yeah sorry everybody uh but uh, at least you get the picture of of them so uh, let me, uh, I'm going to go over to, uh, our discord thing and see if, if, um, if there's an issue here, but, uh, but continue, uh, Michelle, but yeah, Richard Donner, Richard Donner has the weirdest career of any filmmaker, the Omen, Superman, Superman two, uh, the Goonies, uh, lethal weapon, Scrooged, <laughs> you know, I mean, he's all over the map, but, uh, but you know uh, i i love me some richard donner don't get me wrong
6: yeah the, so. the, the Goodies was a, was a really fun uh thing to me because it was to me it as a as a role player it combined you know a child's fantasy and real life pirate treasure you
10: mm-hmm. know it
6: was a lot of fun Cause you know it, you had that, and you had a young Josh Brolin as well. You know, oh hubba yeah,
5: Josh Josh Brolin again. He was the big brother. Yeah. Uh, he was. Uh, w- oh, what was uh, uh, Aston uh, Sean Aston's big brother?
6: Yes, he uh, was. And 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 you and 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 um uh Corey Feldman's character was Ralph the uh, the the mouth the mouse. Yes. Yeah. So he he was the guy that was always spotting off, always making the jokes, always being a a smartass. Yeah. And he was really, really fun in this movie. So, um, yeah. So I, it was a fun romp all around. So.
5: Oh no, I I, I, I concur. I love this movie so much when it came out, Michelle. I it was just a, a sheer joy uh, to to see. You know, just everything about it. You know, it, although I was a little chubby as a child, so the truffle shuffle kind of offended me. Um, well, I I so. <laughs> love it
6: now, and 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 I, and I can say a uh, spoiler alert: Goonies Two has been announced.
5: Oh really?
6: Yeah, and Corey Feldman is playing Mouth again. Is Martha Mouth Plimpton is Martha
5: me. Plimpton coming back?
6: I do not know. All I can say is it has been announced.
5: Oh my god, that is bonkers. So. Yeah um so what I'm looking at here I'm looking for uh, I'm looking at the the time on the trailers that we have here here's what I'm gonna do. I'm just gonna play the trailers in in the browser uh for you just because something didn't translate with uh okay. Discord and uh the downloads so um but let's uh, go to lost Boys. Yeah, 1987.
6: I was actually working in a movie theater this time, and I actually own the poster from the actual theatrical release. And
5: not only that, it has one of the coolest soundtracks from an 80s. Hell
6: yes, it has has uh, Echo and the Bunnymen. It has um, John. It has oh my god, it's so much. Oh, it has
5: well, no, it has Roger Daltrey doing a cover of Elton John's Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me.
6: Okay, it, that's it. that's it then. It,
5: and it has Jimmy Barnes with In Excess saying, yes. Gonna have
6: a good time tonight.
5: Rock and roll music gonna play all night. Oh, and Cry <laughs>
6: Little Sister and all those wonderful movies. Those sounds, I, this is one of my favorite soundtracks of all times.
5: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, all right, I'm just uh, finding it right now. So we've got the, here we go, uh, 1987 Lost Boys trailer. This is the official one. Here we go. That, that's not right it's not right uh that's bullshit. uh that i got tricked by some jackass um uh anyway here here's the uh lost boys 1987 trailer Joel Schumacher directed this he's the one who gave batman nipples isn't that wild but anyway here we go this should be it
2: Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. Yep. They're about to discover its secret.
15: Notice anything
3: unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire.
11: help me stay back stay
3: back what's happening to me star get yourself when a good you sharp stick when drive it right through his heart you're a vampire michael my own brother a damn blood sucking vampire oh you wait till mom finds out buddy when a vampire buys it it's never a pretty sight
16: michael not oh shit <laughs>
5: I forgot Kiefer Sutherland was in this, too.
6: Yes. So. And uh, uh, the guy from Bill & Ted's was in there as well? Oh,
5: yeah. Um, oh, gosh. What What's his name?
6: I don't remember his name. I just remember his face.
5: <laughs> yeah, I just actually... He was in uh, one of those uh, the, the uh, In Search of Darkness uh, documentaries. Um, yes. Yeah, so... Uh, but, uh, and he did some fun short films too. Um, uh, I can't remember there. There's one that it, the squeal of death is something he did. And, uh, let me see. Uh, oh, come
6: on. Yeah. Yeah. But lost boys is where, um, vampires started getting cool again for teenagers.
5: Oh yeah, Absolutely.
6: And I had loved vampires way before even I started working in the movie theater. I had actually people offering me two hundred, three hundred dollars for that poster.
5: Oh which wow! I actually,
6: own now. So
5: nice, Alex. Alex Winter. Alex Winter was uh, yes, uh, his name, and he did some great short films called Squeal of Death. That I a uh, one called Squeal of Death that I saw on Night Flight. If you remember that series, uh, way back when. Um, But no, yeah, Lost Boys, great memories of this. Joe, have you seen Lost Boys?
7: No, I have not. It is
5: a fun movie. It's worth the price of admission if you just see the shirtless muscle guy playing saxophone, too.
6: Hell so. yeah! <laughs> and he actually played sax for uh, uh, Tina Turner, if I if I'm yes. not mistaken.
5: Well, I I will uh, take your word on that. I don't know, but that is that's that's what this show is all about: digging into that kind of trivia.
6: <laughs> yes. So he was actually a saxophonist for Tina Turner at some point. So nice. That's nice. why he got the part in the movie, I think.
5: Very cool. Very cool. So, uh, but no, this this movie really just kind of it. it, it I think it it kind of revolutionized 80s horror films in a lot of ways because uh, it, it's one of the first movies that really focused on making a big popular soundtrack. So there was a tie-in with like music videos on MTV when MTV was actually worth watching. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, so it's one of the early movies of having a very desirable soundtrack. And, uh, it, and and again, you know, as as a collector and a seller and stuff like that, old soundtracks, not Lost Boys because, you know, it's not worth that much. Um, it's worth it to me just to have it to listen to. But uh, there are other soundtracks that followed that weren't as successful, like from The Wraith and things like that. Um, that a lot you know all these music artists would jump on it like Trick or Treat Fastway did the entire soundtrack for it you know uh, Dawkins did the Dream Warriors for Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street 2 you know or um, uh, uh, Alice Cooper did The Man Behind the Mask Um, you know Motorhead even later than that did uh, Hellraiser did a, a song for a Hellraiser movie uh, you know, so there's all kinds of really, you know, again, but I think Lost Boys kind of revolutionized the soundtracks, the hard rock and kind of uh, soundtracks. I mean, a lot more after that, I think, became um, more heavy metal. Uh, but uh, it was a, it was an, an eclectic uh, selection of songs on that soundtrack. And I oh, think that, well, that was the big appeal.
6: Yeah, with the Lost Boys, with Echo and the Bunnymen, Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, all that, the, 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 what the yeah. mix they did in that soundtrack was amazing.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you to have Roger Daltrey, the singer of The Who, doing an Elton John cover. You have Echo and the Bunnyman doing a Doors cover. You have uh, Jimmy Barnes uh, fronting NXS or, you know, uh, singing with uh, Michael Hutchins from NXS. You know, going to have a good time tonight, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, all of it was just wonderful.
6: And the Cry Little Sister, that just made me, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole, yeah. whole soundtrack. So. Um, I can imagine. But, it, so. yeah, so you basically have this, it, it's an amazing franchise. You know, you, you love the Lost Boys. You think, yeah, Lost Boys, one-off movie. Nothing can come up with. And, yes, there was a little bit of downtime. Um, uh, but, but between that time, you know, Corey Feldman was in The Burbs, which we mentioned last week. That's right. He, yeah, he played the little douchebaggy uh, neighbor that was watching the the, the woman's son. Uh, what's his face? His uh, wife's son out front, you know, in her bikini.
5: Inappropriate.
6: <laughs> yeah, he he was like a little pervy, but he's a teenager, so it's not sure. that impro- I, inappropriate. I was a pervy.
5: Yeah. I was a pervy teenagers. teenager. It's fine.
6: Yeah, teenagers do that sort of thing, Yeah. So, <laughs> but then again. Corey Feldman shows up again in uh, 1996's Bordello of Blood.
5: And here we go. I uh, just got to wait for the YouTube to load. Here it is.
12: From a secret grave. In a distant land. Hell's Madam has risen again. And now she's back in business at the Bordello of Blood. Where customers go in
3: Evening, boys.
12: This is deep. but they don't come out.
3: Mr. Gutman, have you found my brother yet?
12: He and a friend of his evidently went to a local brothel. Are you ready? Welcome to a new chapter in terror.
3: At least now she'll know what's eating him. (laughs) She is. (laughs) Lucy, I'm home. Let's party.
11: Sorry, I'm Mexican for lunch. I'm gonna take you for a test ride. You know, you make it sound really enticing.
12: From Universal Pictures. It's holy water, man. Dennis Miller. You are
16: out of here. ching
12: Tales from the Crypt presents Bordello of Blood. This summer. Ah! Looking cool tonight, man. You must know Mickey Rourke, huh? Evil Bites.
4: Go for it. Ah!
5: Very fun. Very fun.
6: Yeah, as I said in chat, this is before Dennis Miller became a douche. <laughs> yeah,
5: yeah, ugh. Um, but yeah, this is uh, you know this is something I gotta see. But um, uh, it,
6: it's 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 a fun movie because mm-hmm. um, Dennis Miller plays a private eye, and he's basically hired by a girl to try to find out what happened to her brother, and Corey Feldman plays the brother. It's a lot uh, of fun. And it's 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 a fun little vampire slash comedy movie. So,
5: well, I love this because there's so many movies like this that I never had the chance to see, and you are a virtual tome of wisdom when it comes to the these movies that I'm like, damn, I missed it, but now I'm putting it on my watch list, and uh, I appreciate that. And yeah. Although- I'll look for copies to sell, too.
6: <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> on, I, I'm happy because um, Dennis Miller was fun at a certain time.
5: Yeah, on SNL, he yeah. was great. So, I, I concur. So, yeah,
6: yeah, this is during his, like, his SNL, you know, kind, kind of back when he was like a, um, an intellectual comic. And now he's just a douchebag.
5: <laughs> yeah, and all of his references now are only for people who are 60 years old. So um, and
6: being douches, yeah, so yeah.
5: exactly. So uh, nothing against sixty-year-olds. I'm just saying, if you want to stay relevant, you should kind of keep your pop culture references a little fresher than that. But Michelle, we have to go to the break right now, and we're okay. gonna we're, we'll continue with uh, uh, I believe what we have. Oh, we got more, some more
6: Lost Boys. trailers Lost yep.
5: Boys, and hopefully, we can get some of our bonus content as well. Uh, yes. But tell everybody what this trailer break is all about. This is our honorable mention birthday trailer break, right?
6: Yes, we have um, we have uh, Brandi Gold, 1977, July 11th. She was in Emptyville Horror, The Evil Escapes. We have Cheech Marin. Everybody knows who Cheech oh, Marin yeah. is. July 13th, 1946, from Dust Till Dawn. And we have Forrest Whitaker. July 15th, 1961 for Species.
5: Ooh. Oh, that's right. He was in Species. Oh.
6: Yes, See? he was.
5: Keeping me on my toes, Michelle. I appreciate it. So, Alright, everybody brace yourselves. We got a spooky uh, trailer break here and we'll be back with more Lost Boys and hopefully a little bit of our bonus content. We'll be right back.
1: Lift up the seat!
3: Hey, here it is. Oh, you've grown. Can <laughs> I see my room, Grandma? Well, Father? It's gone. Look at this.
15: Could <laughs> be a trick. Maybe it's laying low for now.
3: This is Whoa. ugly. Yeah, that's why it's perfect. Oh, damn. Oh. things shot.
11: There was a, a standing lamp in this room. What happened to it?
1: Sold
2: or junk. Would anyone have a record?
3: And Helen must have money to burn sending something this big all the way from Long
2: Island. A dozen years ago, evil was simply a concept in my mind. That house in Amityville has changed that concept to reality forever.
16: Oh, oh. How
2: could that happen? For 300 years, no one has lived on that ground without tragic consequences. Now I believe that the evil in that house could transmigrate into that lamp.
16: I saw daddy last night. It was a dream.
2: Or another house. Or another person yeah. at the earliest opportunity.
12: I mean, you startled me. You know, you shouldn't mess with the
7: disposal once you've secured the switch. Yeah, you definitely got something jammed down here.
16: And machines turn
3: on but themselves. what is it? No! I've lived here for 45 years and never had what's been happening here in the last three days since the kids and I moved
12: in. That evil is searching for souls. And it will transmigrate into the most vulnerable person in its environment. We have to get everyone out of that house now. Stay away,
2: please. And all who are in it. this is the you. Everybody be cool. You be cool. Somewhere in the middle of nowhere.
9: Profile. You understand
2: the meaning of the words? Profile. Sure. Two of America's most dangerous criminals have taken hostages. What is this? It's called a punch. I'm going to ask you one question and all I want is a yes or no answer. Do you want to live through this? Yes. Okay, ramblers, let's get rambling. One night is all that stands between them and freedom. This is my kind of place. But it's going to be... one hell of a night. We might be in trouble. We got a bunch of fucking vampires out there trying to get in here and suck our fucking blood. No. Their only chance is to fight back. tell george clooney quentin tarantino juliette lewis
11: welcome to slavery
2: no thanks i already had a wife from dusk till dawn in january a message from an extraterrestrial source was picked up at the parks observatory in australia new sequence of DNA. Friendly instructions on how to combine it with ours.
1: This growth is amazing.
2: The decision was made to terminate the
1: experiment. She's breaking out!
15: She escaped. We have a serious emergency
14: on our hands. I want a team to track her. Hunt her down.
15: You created a monster, now you want us to kill it.
2: We decided
7: to make it female so that it would be more docile and controllable.
15: More docile and controllable. I guess you guys don't get out much. She wants to have a baby. She'll kill anyone that gets in her way.
10: I wouldn't hurt you. Yes, you would. just don't know it yet.
3: She can have a dozen babies. She can lay a thousand eggs.
10: Something's wrong.
5: Uh, All I can
6: say is that Francie and I both agree females being more docile, not so much.
5: <laughs> <laughs> I concur. Oh, there's a good gif. Oh yeah, there there it is. Uh, who posted that one, uh, Francie? Yeah, the sax player. <laughs> Joe, if you if you see the Fran- the sax player Francie posted, that's in uh, Lost Boys. You got to see it. Yeah. So uh it's a fun movie it's a really fun movie so uh but anyway uh welcome back to the show hello there miles welcome thank you sir for uh your patrick stewart contributions tonight and joe uh for uh your uh uh, han solo and indiana jones uh uh info as well
7: my pleasure
5: yeah, so, all right, well, I'll tell you what, Michelle, if, if we can, uh, let's let's get to uh, the, uh, the, the, we'll tell everybody, we're, we're going back to Lost Boys, because the franchise was revived in very recent history.
6: Heck yeah, there, 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 there are two sequels to it, and they're not made, maybe very well received, because it went straight to video, but, um, and Lost Boys, A Tribe, Tom Savini, isn't it? Briefly, And uh, Lost Boys of Thirst is another one So let's just run those trailers back to back
5: Alright, here we go There might be a bit of a pause in between Because I'm going to YouTube to uh, run the audio So here comes the first one Lost Boys to the Tribe
1: Chris and Nicole came to Luna Bay
3: Where's the sun? Gives you wrinkles
1: Looking for a fresh start Sorry, did I scare you? I'm having a surf party, you should cruise over.
2: But there's something strange about their new friends.
1: You have to see the world the way we do. Never grow, you'll never die, and you'll
7: never know fear again. So what he's trying to say is, we're
3: vampires.
7: Oh, <laughs> this is scary. <laughs> no, but seriously. We're vampires. <laughs>
2: I'm Frog, surfboard shaper, and vampire hunter. Your sister's a suck monkey. Nicole! <laughs> I tried to eat that guy. I'm a vegetarian.
6: Suck, suck monkey! The vegetarian.
3: <laughs> Dying is a part of living.
6: That depends.
2: From Warner Premiere comes the next chapter of the cult phenomenon, Lost Boys: The Tribe, coming 2008.
6: Order the state. <laughs> Can we pause for a moment? You want a party?
5: Yes. Yes. I'm sorry. I paused. Yeah.
6: No, it's okay. Go. It's okay. But the the one line out of there, I tried to eat that guy, and I'm a vegetarian. That's a great <laughs> line. <laughs>
5: I like my sister's a sock monkey. <laughs> so,
6: <laughs> yes.
5: Not a sock well, monkey. That's Neger
6: Frog. Yeah.
5: Yeah, not a sock monkey, but a sock monkey. So <laughs> that's great. So, uh, all right, Lost Boys 3, The Thirst, then?
6: Yes, The Thirst.
5: All right, here we go. Coming up straight from YouTube to make sure we get the full picture here.
10: You want a party? <laughs>
2: There's a Nightcrawler who's created a new designer drug. The only problem is it's not a drug. It's vampire blood. He's breeding an undead army. The only thing that stands between him and the annihilation of the entire human race would be us, the Frog
11: Brothers. We haven't been the Frog Brothers for a long time. I can't do it without you. They can do what they want whenever they want
9: to do it.
2: You guys have to drink in (sighs) a You. If I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna need weapons. Lots of really
12: expensive, custom-made weapons.
9: Let's rock and roll.
16: Just try to relax. This will all be over soon.
5: Should be Lost Boys the third.
6: Yes. But let me let me just say something in their defense of the movie. Um I didn't think the Lost Boys could be continued. Mm Mm-hmm. And I didn't think it would be continued. But you need to watch these movies. If you like the Lost Boys original, because it's a fun, kind of like tongue-in-cheek, the way horror movies went afterwards.
5: Well, you know, the thing is, it, this what uh, watching these trailers now, because I, I had no idea these sequels existed. Watching these now, it kind of makes me think of Supernatural.
6: And you'll have fun with them because of
5: that. Yeah. I mean, this, keeps, this could it, it have been keep, a, a TV series, honestly.
6: Yeah, it keeps Corey Feldman's character alive. Mm-hmm. And also, in the last one, it brings back uh, his brother. And you will find out why his brother's been missing.
15: Oh,
5: or why his brother was a lost boy.
6: Yes, maybe <laughs> so.
5: <laughs> oh, but very it's nice. cool. Yeah.
6: The, 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 the way they did this franchise... And um yeah, they went straight to video after the first one, but they are st- it, it it kept the spirit alive.
5: there is no crime in straight to video there have been a lot of amazing things and things that are very valuable that I've sold on eBay at voodoo zombie boutique <laughs> um but no I you know there there's no crime in straight to to, to video I mean honest to God that was like a Netflix original of the day or an yes. Amazon prime original. It, yes, it is, you know, it, it, it's, um, you know,
6: and the production value is beautiful because the, the yeah. second one, the, uh, the tribe has mm-hmm. Tom Savini in the beginning of it.
5: Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tom Savini, Tom Savini
6: the amazing horror effects artist that he is. Practical effects. Right.
5: Yeah. Practical effects him. legend, uh, w- working on, uh, with George Romero, and, and yes. you know, uh, yeah, yeah. And Friday
6: the 13th, and all of that stuff, so. Yeah. And, and
5: he, he, he's from he Pittsburgh. A,
6: and he gets a great role at the beginning of the movie, which is amazing. Um, so just, um, to cut this short, um, Corey Feldman has a movie in post-production called Tales from the Dead Zone. It's an anthology horror movie. I think everybody will love it. It looks amazing to me, and I love anthology horror movies, so. And Goonie Two has been announced. Uh, has been announced. So there you go.
5: I hope it hasn't been renounced. <laughs> so,
6: <laughs> no announced. I'm sorry. No, um, no, it's it's it, it, it,
5: so. no, no. It's funny. <laughs> it's funny. I'm I'm having some bevvies myself. So uh, well,
6: the rest of the the rest of the evening is up to you all.
5: No. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I think we're gonna get in the spirit of things uh, right now and play our bonus material because we don't have a Twilight Zone episode to talk about tonight or at least right. we didn't coordinate to talk about a Twilight Zone episode we, so next week we'll probably talk about Twilight Zone episode 1 uh, I'm sorry season 1 episode 2 uh, next week because uh, the uh, there was some time off in the summer for season 1 of the Twilight Zone so we don't have any new episodes to talk about so I apologize New episodes. New 61-year-old episodes. Uh, But yeah, so Joe, uh, let's start with you. And uh, we have uh, another birthday. Will Ferrell's birthday was uh, recent,
7: right? Right, right. And naturally, he got his start on um, Saturday Night Live. And uh, one of the more memorable... Moments of that was uh, this one, more cowbell. Ooh, <laughs> yes. Oh yeah, more <laughs> cowbell.
5: More cowbell was was definitely. Uh, he had so many amazing moments on SNL. Oh, he did. He and did. you know, he yelling
6: uh, to Miles last night, more cowbell as we are doing the song. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and we
5: and, uh, we just watched Blades of Glory the other day. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I love seeing him in anything. You know. He, uh it, it, it's he's just so
7: stupid and funny it's it's great i know and his his comedy is just so let it loose like <laughs> d- didn't matter what he did oh yeah like, it's, it's okay. like, like through, that skit stream, it was like
5: it's like stream of consciousness funny you know yeah yeah yeah
7: and um So I I, I watched that skit over about four times last night, just getting ready for this. Nice, nice. And uh, fellas, fellas, I put my pants on a leg at a time. Differences (laughs) when I get them on, I make gold records. (laughs) Sure, and he has quite the the, uh, stunning midriff as well. He does. He he's got quite the gut. And I love Jimmy Fallon in the background there with the drums. He was laughing through that whole skit. Yes. He couldn't stand himself. Oh <laughs> Jimmy what, what skit didn't Jimmy Fallon laugh
5: all the way through? So I, yeah, I know. He got a kick out of himself, <laughs> I'm gonna tell
7: you. Out of the whole thing. He was the Harvey I'm sorry, Corm- I was.
5: He, he was the Harvey Corman of S N L. So. I know, I know, but it was just
7: <laughs> some of those skits were too, just too funny. Oh no, I, <laughs> I concur, I concur. But anyway, um, Will Ferrell. So uh, my favorite—I I never saw *Talladega Nights* or any of his uh, other—but um, one of my favorite Christmas uh, movies that I watch every every uh, year, in, in addition to. Uh, uh, Christmas Vacation is Elf. Sure. And I think yeah. it's an underrated movie. I really do. Well and it's with
6: Christmas in July, so there you go.
7: Exactly. Yeah, Thank it's, you, it's, Michelle. It's Christmas silly, in it's July. goofy. But uh the best scene best scene that only, I think, was with, with uh Peter uh, Dinklage. I forgot his name. Right, Peter Dinklage. Tyrion when Lannis they bring from him Game of Thrones, right? When they bring him in to save the company with his children's book ideas, yeah. And Will Ferrell crashes into the meeting uh, after having a date with his girlfriend and falling in love. Crashes in to tell his father he's in love, only to find what he thought <laughs> it was a little person was a fellow he elf. Thought it was. A fellow elf. Yeah.
5: So here you go, angry elf, coming at you. Buddy,
13: uh, not now. Uh, can You please go back to the uh, to the pit. I'll come visit you in a little while, okay?
11: I didn't know you had elves working here.
2: Boy, oh, okay. you're you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't.
12: Kid, uh, uh, get back to the story, please. Uh, <clears throat> so
2: on the cover above the title does santa know that you left the workshop you know we're all laughing our heads off did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here buddy go back to the (laughs) basement hey jackweed i get more action in a week than you've had your entire life
12: i've got houses in la paris and vale each one of them with a 70 inch plasma screen so i suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before i come
8: over there and smack it off you're feeling strong my friend call me elf one more time.
16: He's an angry elf. <laughs> <laughs> it,
5: it's go time. It's go time. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you for that, Joan. Will Ferrell's birthday, uh, do you have that, Andy, Joe? No, I don't. I, I
7: Let me see.
5: No, that's all right. Well, his birthday is—I believe it's this week, uh, at some point. But uh, we'll let you look at that. But for keeping Christmas in July alive for miles, uh, here we go. We've got uh, Patrick Stewart's uh, holiday favorite: "Make It So, Make It So, Make
0: It So." The weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful, and since we've no place to go, make it so, make it so, make it so. Man, it doesn't show signs of stopping, and I brought me some tea a grey hot. The lights are turned way down low, make it so, make it so, make it so. <laughs> When oh my God! Good night. How oh, I hate going, going out in the storm. Well, oh, we have to Really? Shut up, Wesley. <laughs> All the way home, I'll be warm. warm. Oh, the fire is slowly dying, and my dear. We're still goodbyes, but as long or... as you love me, so Dana, make it so. Make it so. Make it so.
5: so (laughs) Uh, bonus clip action this is fun I like this Uh, this is where we we stash our leftovers Uh, right in the back of the fridge we're digging around in the back of the fridge tonight everybody and we found some leftover pizza oh my god it's mushroom and pepperoni cool Uh, (laughs) so uh, except for this one nobody wants to eat this because this is Fred Gwynn from Pet Cemetery. Sometimes, (laughs)
6: Oh, sometimes no.
5: <laughs> sometimes dead is better.
6: Yes. You know do not yeah. Don't yeah.
12: care about your dead. Oh but John. What's the bottom of the truth?
14: Well, sometimes that is better. The person you put up there ain't the person that comes back. It may look like that person, but it ain't that person. Because Whatever lives in the ground beyond that cemetery ain't human at all. (laughs) It was four or five days after Timmy's funeral when Margie Washburn seen Timmy walking up the road towards Yorkie's livery. As time went by, lots of folks saw Timmy walking back and forth. But it was Margie. Who finally came to some of us men, folks, and said it had to be stopped? She knew it was an abomination. horsemen so sat down and talked it out. Then we got into my car and we both made him a place. Take care of it. He's dead. He ain't
0: natural. One way or the other. Yeah, there's
1: no other way. He's got a burn. wreck oh, him oh, no. stop, stop it, Timmy! Stop it! Got stop it! The place is going up. Go away! Get on Bring what
12: you still can, out. Bill! Let's go! Bring down the cabs! I got him! Wait a minute, fellas! Wait a minute!
14: It's...
16: He's a monster, Bill! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Leave us alone! He's my son! Come him! I love death! i living! Get out of there! Get out of
14: there! <laughs> 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 oh, <man. laughs> sometimes, death. death is better. The Indians knew that. They stopped using that burial ground the ground went sour. Don't think about doing it, Lewis. The place gets holier. The place is evil. Sometimes dead
5: is better. Ah, oh, sometimes dead is better. Yeah, Denise Caraz... Uh, Denise Caraz... Yes! Because-
6: that's Bing, what i was saying.
5: Yeah, yeah. Bing Crosby's niece, uh, who was Tasha Yar in Star Trek: The Next Generation, she was and in... came
6: back as as a uh, a Romulan.
5: Yes. Oh my God, that was such a great story arc. That's that the good. that that uh, and Miles. By the way, that story arc is what uh, Quentin Tarantino wants to base his Star Trek film on.
8: Oh, the rated R one.
5: Uh yeah, yeah. So uh, so that could be pretty wild. But yeah, you know, that and they, that's a whole other story. I would love to talk about Denise Crosby's uh uh participation in Star Trek the Next Next Generation because there's a lot of information out there about how that went down and uh it's it's I'm it's still pissed that she got killed
6: off like that. I well, was so unhappy.
5: It was sorta of, kinda Her uh, her wishes, uh, but then she decided she didn't want to be dead and came back or something. I don't know
6: at the Romulan. Yeah,
5: yeah. So, but no, that was such. But that was. um, uh, Is Joe out tonight? Joe, are you out tonight? Adam is asking if you're out.
7: Uh, I don't think so. Let me see. No, I'm here. I'm here. Nope, nope. That's my arm.
5: Do you want? That's my do you want to? Oh yeah, there, there. Are, are you having an out of body experience?
7: Uh, no. no. Did you go I, out? I, I did see. You go out, I'm did looking you take in the, the mirror? Did
5: you, a, take the did you take the dogs outside? Did you take the dogs outside? I'm Not sure. I understand. So I'm not sure I understand. That was
16: great. Uh
5: oh, perfect. <laughs> All right, so let me try and... uh, uh, All right, so here we go. We're going to go a a, a few minutes over because I want to play the trailer from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street from 2010. Jackie Earl Haley, (laughs) happy birthday. Um, Heck yeah. And uh, then I want to play a clip of him um uh you're gonna love this after playing so many tortured characters what he says about playing freddy krueger is pretty priceless but this is the trailer from the unfortunately failed reboot of nightmare on elm street from 2010 starring jackie earl haley as freddy krueger disappearing into the character
6: <laughs> yeah but I think they tried it to dry
5: yeah I, I think you you uh you might be right uh, essentially uh trying to uh recapture the glory of Robert England's um you can't
6: do that though not make no. it dry. you can't make it dry you have to go with the the quips and stuff
5: yeah yeah so, uh, but real quick, um, I want to, uh, uh, play this, uh, clip from Jackie Earl Haley. Uh, his interview about, <laughs> this is just funny. It's, it's only a minute long and then we'll wrap things up. Okay. Uh, but here we go. Jackie Earl Haley on, uh, what it felt like to be
11: Freddie. What does it feel like? Very gluey. <laughs> You know, you know what I discovered coming out here? After all these years of, of watching Freddy torture people, that he's the one being tortured on all these movies. <laughs> Poor Robert England. <laughs> the guy was tortured in every film, man. The makeup is incredibly, uh, incredibly arduous, man. I've got stuff glued from here. Just all the, every round inch of my head. I mean, all the way up to the eyes. It's, it's, it's bizarre. Freddie's the victim. People don't get it. <laughs> no, I'll tell you. You know what it really, really feels like? You know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, I've played a lot of, of of tortured characters, so I'm having a blast playing a torturing character.
5: <laughs> I just thought that was priceless. <laughs> He's playing yeah, a lot is. of tortured characters, so now he gets to play a torturing character. <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah but they didn't get they didn't let him go full bore.
5: uh yeah and again I haven't seen this I do want to see it um but uh but it yeah. made me sad <laughs> yeah I I, I I will check it out for sure just for the sake of uh you know historical content um but uh yeah so anyway I saw you posted uh, What's coming up on uh, the Tim Coramel Show, Joe? Uh, about Tennessee, so cool. about Tennessee, and I and then I posted a picture of my cat Tennessee licking his butthole. Uh,
16: oh yeah, yeah, so, yeah, but not not the same, not the same. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Understood.
7: I'm sorry. Your well. Tennessee is is a, is a nice guy.
6: He's a cutie.
8: Uh,
7: he's kind of an asshole, but uh, I seriously think this boy is
5: part Siamese, because my lord. Is he a talker? Um, You know, I walk out of the room for two minutes and he's like, wow, 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 wow. When I come back, (laughs) crazy. So anyway, uh, yeah, there we go. Uh, That's all of our bonus content, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the program tonight. We're running a little bit long tonight. So I'm going to go ahead and just start our end credits music provided by Kill the Hippies. Sorry, uh, Mort and, and Misty. I didn't get to play any of your full songs tonight. But this is your music right here. So, kill the hippies. And the credits. Right now. But yeah, thank you guys. Uh, we had a really fun show tonight. My apologies for a couple technical glitches, but it's the internet and we gotta deal with it.
6: <laughs> yeah.
5: So, uh, alright, parting shots uh, real quick. Uh, 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 Miles, why not you go first?
8: Ah uh, I got nothing. <laughs> I can't think of anything. Have a great weekend everybody um, stay hydrated. summer's coming and uh, kidney stones suck and uh, I'm clear yeah. of mine so whoop.
5: All right, very good. I'm glad you're feeling better too brother so that's that's awesome. All right uh, Michelle, what do you have for us on the way up? Thank you so much. great stuff tonight.
6: Well, thank you, thank you. I love Corey Feldman. Um, Jackie, Jackie. Uh, oh wow! Um, all I can say is reboots are not bad. However, the Nightmare on Elm Street reboot sucked. <laughs> I'm sorry. I I, 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 enjoyed as a oh, film, okay. but yeah. it was not. It did not stay. They did not let him stay in the character. I'm what? sure he, 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 of all people, would have had fun with equipping. Yeah, but they did not. They did not keep that lighthearted mm-hmm. feel to Freddy. So well, and they, you they know, focused more on him being a bad guy.
5: Yeah, and he was also in the RoboCop reboot, which uh, fell flat too. Yeah, unfortunately, and that
6: sucks for him. I'm yeah. sorry, because so. I love him as an actor. I love him in you know the the you know all of the stuff he's done. So, I right. yeah. Rorschach. Oh my God, Rorschach.
7: You're right. And Joe, what do you got? Just look out for the Tim Carmel show this week. We will be reading from the Tennessee Travel Guide.
12: Oh, boy.
6: (laughs) Oh, Oh, that's scary. (laughs) (laughs) All right.
5: We'll see everybody next week right here on It Came From Cleveland on Radio for Humans
9: golf club golf club